Worlds, an Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the, and I don't know how to pronounce this word, abattoir. This episode are... This is Eric, phenomenally fearless and fugue-stated um, fellow friend. And I'm Will. My favorite part about seeing all the new ghouls is the the variety, you know? Because you got summer judges, uh, summer cardinals, and even summer king. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Aaron, and uh, this is the most chivalrous podcast in all the lands. Uh, and in this episode, we cover the lore of the Flesh Eater Quartz Battle Tome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of delusions, gaslighting, and insanity. And then if we have time after all that, we'll talk about those knights of the realm. How are you tonight, my lords? Verily. Doing good. For those of you who can't see, because it's a podcast, uh, Aaron did tip his hat when he said, my lords. That's why I wear the hat, just so I can greet gent- gentle fellows and ladies um, all the time. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hearing good. I'm hearing at the least good from you two. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, excited to be uh, this this particular uh, battle tone we're talking about today has been a long time coming. And there's a lot of juicy... Uh, giblets uh Ooh. to uh to suck on so as soon as you said juicy i knew exactly what you're doing yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. Like it. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh grab a napkin tuck it into your shirt and let's dig in Gross. uh you're right though the long time coming i didn't know when to bring this up but i'll bring it up right now guys this is the final battle tome that we have yet to cover on the mortal realms podcast in fact we've doubled up on some previously uh eric you were right i've been waiting for this one for so very very long because i love yeah. Completing the set. And, yeah, and uh, this is the final episode of the podcast. Yeah. You're not wrong. Hang it's, up been, hat. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a wild ride. It's been real. It's been fun. I don't know if I can say if it's been real fun. Um, <laughs> but, but, okay. <laughs> I know we're jinxing it. What if like something terrible happens and we don't get through this uh, episode? Should we go real quick, quick, quick? Let's get to the end and just so we don't, you know, ruin anything. No, but we won't um, because before we do a story phase instead i'm gonna ask you two what y'all been up to in the hobby please tell me about it well what are you having on i uh we were all given the mortal ones podcast a early preview copy of the new army box for the flesh eater course and i've been working on my uh gore warden neat uh his name is sir bonard <laughs> and i love him he loves you, actually, he was yeah. telling me. So that's they, nice. That's they, they do this cool thing when you're holding him to paint him where one of the fingers just flies off into the abyss because it's flimsy. <laughs> what a fun little trick that, that, that they it's like, so bake neat. into it's it. It's realistic. Cool? Yeah, it you cool. flick, did you flick it right off? Yep. <laughs> I haven't found it yet, but it's out there. Nice. Oh, God, yeah. That would drive me nuts. I mean, I just crunch it and then like pre pre-order the next one. I have a whole army box if I have to in order to get another yeah. one. <laughs> There's uh, a, there are a few model kits that have like the thumb is all by itself, and you have to gl- figure out how to glue the thumb on to the fist. And you're just like, who's who's in charge of the dividing of the bits? Yep, this is one of them. And why were they wronged? Like, what what happened in their life that made them so? Uh, yeah evil is my question yeah yeah. who hurt them yeah uh all right cool uh working on anything else will um no not since the last episode it's been that um really just trying to hammer down the basing scheme for my ghouls because i've had flesh eater quartz models for a while now but i never finished them by doing Mm -hmm. a base and i did it for sir sir bernard 
And now I need to go do it for the rest of them. Nice. That's, what, that's the problem with locking yourself in is that means you have to execute. Um, like some royal <laughs> decapitator. What? That's a that's a new thing. Um, hey, Eric, you're a hobby guy. What kind of hobby you been doing lately? Well, let me tell you. Um, I've been working a couple of things uh, from this uh, same kit. Um, I've been working on the Morbeg Knights, um, which are sort of uh, these ghouls on top of uh, undead bats, uh, bat wolves. Uh, that uh, kind of they raise from the raise from the dead in order to uh, kind of ride them around as opposed to kind of being bat creatures that uh, you know living and and working with them but I've been uh, uh, working on a pirate theme uh, started it some time ago I've got the the goblin king from the Lord of the Ring stuff as one of, as my kind of main character and i've got them all dressed up in piratey clothes and a uh, big coat and stuff like that so these guys are coming along with so i got to to put a little put a little hat on them little pirate hats on Ooh. these guys and then uh paint them all up in in something similar to my my death scheme but a little more brown instead of green um yeah and then uh, i've been working on the the um Oh, naming things. They always slip my mind. Mm. Um, Give me a hint. The Ogre, Maw Pack. Gorgers. Uh, gorgers um, uh, for my son who, when he saw me, fell in love. So we got a set of those and have been painting those up, which not dissimilar uh, in a lot of ways from the how I you could imagine, you know, crypt horrors and sure. like they would make very fine crypt horrors if you wanted them to be crypt horrors, yeah. um, mm-hmm. that sort of Which thing. So I do. So yeah, I, so I've been <laughs> painting, yeah. painting a lot of big muscly, uh, fleshy beasts. Um, so yeah, been a lot of fun. Yeah. How about cool. you, Aaron? How would you, what you uh, up to? What have I been up to? So I just, um, okay. So for moral realms gone, pause hold up have we talked about post moral have there been an episode post moral realms con since all right nope. we're gonna have to do that so we'll talk hobby and then we'll go broadly talk about the best convention ever gracing these shores that was a weird way to put that um but uh because moral mortal realms con which we'll talk about momentarily i thought for the aos portion that i was going to need a bunch of blood reavers for my little corn army. But then uh, Will pulled the rogue out from underneath me and said, you don't need all those points, aka don't need to paint that nonsense. And so I didn't. However, I had started them. And history has shown that if I start painting something and then don't finish it, I'm never going to get back to it. And then like at one point I want to strip it and that's like a million steps, too many steps. So uh, knowing myself, because I'm an adult and I'm mature, uh, I figured I needed to finish them. And so I, so I did that. So uh, I don't know. It's just like twenty blood reavers, which for a person who puts paints armies is essentially nothing. For me, is the most Herculean task that anyone has ever accomplished. Um, I appreciate your guys' uh, praise and accolades yeah. and uh, adulations. I, that's very kind of way to, um, way to use your prefrontal cortex. Yeah. Think forward to the the result that you want to see in the world and be the change. Guys, I, I beat Warhammer. I won at Warhammer. He's done like, it. Like, first place. Me, like first place at Warhammer. <laughs> um, and what's, I didn't even do the bases. I don't know why I'm so self-congratulatory. But, um, <laughs> but at the very least, they are uh, that type of paint that I can't. 
contrasted they're contrast painted um mm-hmm. and literally I, i'm so excited i brought them back downstairs because i've been painting them while watching the tv um upstairs brought them downstairs lifted the uh tupperware large container thing that i have i gently placed them inside closed the lid and p- piled just boxes you can you can maybe even see just boxes and boxes on top of it never uh, yeah. looked at ever ever again um Entombed. So. I mean, there's a whole civilization that made a whole bunch of uh, clay army men and then buried them. So that's, me. that's you. I can't. Man, that is really the way I want to go out. <laughs> Honestly, looking just, at that shelf back there, it's, I you need a few weeks. Yeah, you, just need a, <laughs> you need a big enough room to set them all up individually. Yeah, right. And then people have to get through them to get to oh, your two. I was going to say, like, it's one of those pranks, you know, the kids were doing high school where you'd fill up a bunch of cups with water and then, like, cover floors with them so that they all need to be cleaned up individually. Same idea. Uh, lay down, die in the center of my room with all my little dudes just like sit up around yeah, me. Yeah, um, yeah. What are they going to do? Are they going to step on them? No, of course they're not going to. They hurt. Like they got a little short. No, so it's, it's not, it's not what they'll be able to do, what they won't be able to do in the room that you've set up, the trap, the encasement mm-hmm. that you've set up. Sure. It's what they won't be able to do for the rest of their lives with the trauma you've caused them <laughs> uh, by this yeah. elaborate setup. But man, and then, what a conversation starter, though, right? Like, you really, they won't, they won't soon forget. Um, that's boy, sure. yeah, uh, that's me. All right, but hey, I feel like we're burying the lead a little bit. We have not chatted. Hey, what, what, what a group! Gr- Let's talk about the have. undead. Let's, well, no, not that. I was yeah. gonna say, we well, gotta talk about oh, Mortal Realms Con, well, yeah, because I don't, there's no other Mortal what Mortal Realms Con. Or should I hold off for the Sigmarnalia episode? Ooh, maybe that's what we could do because we spend more time talking. I mean, what else are we going to have to talk about then? Not yeah. a gosh darn thing, but like we can get more takes on it. So let me, okay, let's, we'll go just a little let's, bit just from your guys' perspective. Let's tease it. That's te- exactly right. So, God, I'm going to feel real bad if we don't end up doing a Sigmarnalia and or talking about it there. Um, but if things go to plan, you will you can hear, hey, listeners, you can hear more about Mortal Realms Con Year Zero uh, at a future episode, but, um, give me like two highlights from your con, your convention, you two, um, interesting tidbits, favorite parts, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, define it any way you like. Tell me about Mortal Realms con for you. Uh, yeah, uh, highlights are getting all 47 hosts of the Mortal Realms Network together in a I think we're up to 52 now. Um, 50, oh, yeah. I forgot we yeah. added five more last week. One for each <laughs> state and the, the Republic of Guam. Sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're all given a playing card uh, designation. Um, mm, for, I'm the cards. three of clubs for whatever reason. That's the whole reason, actually. Four spades is coming to mind. All right. <laughs> um, okay. Lots uh, of hosts. Yeah. Well, just getting everyone together. Um because there is, we have a variety of different shows in the network, and being able to see everyone and just hanging out is always fun. Yeah. Uh, the other highlight was just seeing people playing games in an event that we were running. That's it gives me a lot of feel goods to to just facilitate games being played. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, right yeah. Here, uh, try to pop from- that. For me, it was uh, the venue space. Uh, we had a, a spot in downtown Madison, uh, which will probably it may never get to experience again. Uh, but it was a cool convergence of events and people that Aaron knows. And then I think the second was um, uh, having some people run events uh, and experiencing those for the first time, like their events, how they run events, etc. So uh, we'll talk more about those the event runners and the, the uniqueness that they brought and all that good stuff. 
on that future episode. Nice. Yeah. Uh, part of me wants to say, I, I'm so I'm so glad to give like the folks the opportunity uh, to to run the events that they wanted to run, as if all the event runners weren't given the opportunity plenty of times to run the event all, all the time. In fact, this is relatively duplicative of the, of the, the work that they are already doing. So I have given no one anything, um, frankly. Uh, but what, yeah, I mean, you guys took all the good answers. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. Answers? You've yeah, been no, doing this long enough, Aaron, that you that's shouldn't have, I should not, really should have just, gone first. Just plant my flag. Um, venue is cool. I like getting everybody all in one place. I'll tell you what, as I, speaking of emulating and duplicating, is there was the vibe from Adept account where we're all able to, we're all able to get together um and we laughed and said isn't it funny that we all had to drive down to chicago to like all be in the same place despite the fact that we all live in the same city and mm-hmm. that in some small way was maybe a little bit of the impetus to them be like well no screw that let's all get in the same place uh in town and if that means we need to rent a place out and you know m- yeah. sort of artificially make it happen then so be it and so that we're was adults we have disposable incomes we're the masters of our destiny sure of course we can get together in one place one time and have some fun our way yeah and never again probably um so uh <laughs> so that was uh, a hoot a delight and then yes there was a lot of uh, great events um played and it was i don't know i just saw smiles all around so that that was Real rewarding. Oh, gross, hokey. Um, okay. Love you. Parting thoughts about Mortal Realms Con before we actually deep dive into it a little bit later. I want to save it. I don't want to yeah. say another word. Good call. I think that's. I think that's. The, I think it's the right move. So, all right, suspense, everybody. Um, Suspenders. Yeah, and great. Uh, okay. Story phase is with the type of episode that we have right here. But just kidding. We're not going to get into it quite yet because first we got to do some Mortal Realms plugs. Get ready. Um, or fast forward like 15 seconds. Um, you can find more episodes of this podcast and all our other shows at themortalrealms.com. You can email us your feedback at mortalrealms at gmail.com. Hey, guys, first of all, there's no value in that email address. Second of all, we scared them away. We got one email last time, and then nobody thought that they could step up uh, to the plate and take a swing because um, everything that needed to be said was said last time but if you felt like maybe there's more to add dear listener hey that you want to i don't know uh toot our horns nope that means something else uh if you want to build us up the best way to do so send us some feedback out at the uh at mortal realms at gmail.com or email uh you can find our patreon at patreon.com slash the mortal realms to support the show get early releases of the story phase and access exclusive content like pocket realms which are short story phases hosted by davy and aaron i swear to god we're gonna get back to them in fact we already picked the book that we're gonna read and i still haven't we just gotta mm, pull the trigger um in warhammer bros pavin's attempt to get his brother into 40k and last i heard uh, they have recorded another episode, so it's Ooh. on its way for all you people just sla- slavering, sla- slavering uh, for Warhammer Bros. Um, or is that a word I just made up? I guess I don't know. No, it's a uh, word. I just don't know if it's pronounced anything like that. Is it? How would you pronounce it? I don't know. I'm trying to. Th- I've only seen it read. Yeah, right. So it's like a classic. Don't. It's a classic fantasy novel uh, word that you don't ever say out loud. Um, and if you can't or do not want to. Uh, pitch in monetarily, which is absolutely okay, then head on over to your podcast service of choice and give us a review or stars or thumbs or whatever the the service uses. Uh, We'll take it. We'll take whatever we can get. Um, But honestly, easier to just give us money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, Or you can just go ahead and tell a friend or an enemy or a loved one or a (laughs) dentist um, about the mortal realms. All right, cool. That was painless. Uh, I wonder, for the people who fast forwarded 15 seconds, surprise, you were still in it. Um, But okay, story phase it is. Uh, I know you you didn't want to read the beginning, Eric, but since Paul isn't here, I think you have to read the story phase part. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. Oh, man. Uh, Paul's going to be looking for a job. Um, All right. We're in the story phase. Oh, and just as a reminder, we had mentioned it at the top, but not only did GW send us the army box, which was very kind of them, everybody's painting up the models. It's tons of fun, but they also sent us this book so that we could talk about it with you listeners as well. So, hey, thanks, GW. Normally, I put that at before the story phase line, why would I move it to after the story phase line? I'm not going to edit it out. We're just going to deal with this clunky transition. All right. Anyways, um, flesh eater quartz, long time coming. I can't wait to dive into it. So, uh, my favorite, I tell you why Paul didn't show up. Neither did Josh is because they didn't want to have to get into the weeds with my favorite segment. Um, and so they offered you guys up as tribute. So, uh, in case you had forgotten, because it's been a while since we did a Battle Tome episode. Actually, that's not true. It was only a couple of episodes ago. Um, I want to hear from you two your best one-sentence summary of this faction. And you've had the entirety of Age of Sigmar 2015 to to mull this one over because you knew it was coming. Um, one sentence. But summary. not allowed to write it down. No. God, no. Why would you even say, mm, I'm ch- kick you off right now. Um, it's. Up to you guys. One sentence summary right off the dome. Um, I think because Eric is a little bit more stupid, like he lives off the dome, like he's really an off the cuff kind of guy. I'm going to make him go first. You're welcome, Will. Eric, thank you. One sentence summary. In the lead up to every one of these episodes that I'm on, I remember, I do remember that this happens and my brain starts popping words. And I'm like, I wish I could write these down. I wish I could create a soliloquy. But then you hear... uh, a door slam open and I rush in and it smacks the pen right out of your hand. (laughs) So what we're dealing with today is a a craven cohort of cannibalistic uh, (laughs) canites that uh, quest uh, beyond the curtain inside that exists only inside the cadaverous container of their uh, cantankerous crypts. <laughs> How about that? That's pretty good. I just wanted to cut. Uh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, this, yeah uh, I can tell. <laughs> I think that was killed it. That was evident. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, because you got to yeah. go. Um, I, now you got to follow that. I did forget we do this. <laughs> it's in my little thing. I, it's I have the a only thing I remember. Up. I warn people. Um, I always remember the intro pun because yeah, we're allowed yeah. to do those ahead of time. Sure. Because um, of my generosity. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know what Eric is talking about. These are the chivalric kingdoms of noble kings and uh, lesser knights. Knights, sorry. <laughs> who save the realms from catastrophe and disaster mm-hmm. and are launching their own crusades to uh, save everyone. 
really uh, you're really and, cripping off his yeah, uh, yeah. i had nothing else <laughs> cribbing i mean it's, cribbing. it's a oh, i wrote yeah, it cribbing yeah, yeah. Cribs. i'm trying to do a coup yeah <laughs> sure uh tons of fun all right well listeners you get the gist of uh these flesh eater courts um let's feel like things are these these factions these armies are defined by their history so let's get into the his, historical elements of uh the flesh eater courts um oh god i'm confused now because one of the questions from one of our listeners yes sometimes it takes me a long long time to get to a listener question but um maybe we'll just jump right off the bat on uh on one right now from tyriel um and they ask what is the origin story for them very broad, but I, I love I love your uh, curiosity, Tyrell. Um, as if we weren't going to talk about the origin uh, to begin with. Um, I think, although the origin of the faction of the race probably doesn't come a little bit later, but like the origin holistically is going to start in the Age of Myth from their uh, from their progenitor a little bit. Um, so uh, we are going to go back to the Age of Myth to the very beginning. It's a great place to start um, and talk about uh, you know the 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 events that lead up to the creation of the flesh of your court. So with all that being said, that was a very long winded uh, preamble. Um, what did the age of myth mean for, I don't know, setting the stage for making uh, the flesh of courts arrive in the moral realms? What do we need to know about the age of myth? Who has some thoughts about that? Well, we find out that there was a Mortark, what? Uh, a character whose name had been mentioned in myths and legends and, you know, uh, you know, when uh, little later on, when when Sigmar's bouncing around the realms, he actually knocks his cage over or something like that, lets him out. But uh, we get to learn about Usheron, the Mortark of Delusion, which wasn't his initial kind of title. I feel like that's been the retcon of his title because he was a very he was sort of the most noble of the Mortarks, had the kind of uh the 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 courtly when you think of like how to behave and how to act and all that kind of stuff had that kind of stuff down um uh but i don't know how much further you want me to go into if you want to just keep peeling on this guy but but it starts with we've got a mortark sure who is a very noble person very noble characteristics nagash dug this guy like Mm -hmm. Unlike his, so he's he was a vampire, uh, and unlike the other vampires, um, Neferata and um, Manfred, who sort of bickered and, and positioned for like favor and schemed, he seemed to not do that so much. He was sort of upright and, and uh, yeah, he he kind of was like a true believer of Nagash. Um, because he was going around like getting people to worship Nagas, and then also just kind of putting himself in there as like the second to him. It's like, oh yeah, you should worship him, and also me if you want to, but mostly him. Sure, and I feel like he and Archon must have really hit it off. Uh, I mean, they ought to have. I mean, if I, if I would love to see a little buddy, a little buddy comedy between the two of them. Um, but at any rate, yes, loyal servant of Gash. Uh, he was in- instrumental in converting people over to the cult of Nagash, which is wild, right? Like Nagash is a scary dude. Um, you should be sending people uh, running and screaming. But in the age of myth, like he had, he there's a certain element of cult of personality there, and that was, uh, you know, essentially run by the impression I've gotten from Usheron. Um, so he must have had a real slick sales pitch, I think, to get people to like line up behind Bone Daddy. Um, if you want, if you don't mind spending a second, I just, 
I pulled up that same Lexicanum. So he was, yeah, he was in there as Neferata, like a spy master for Neferata. Lord of Masks is what they said. Um, but then he cultivated his own bloodline within the court, biting and turning nobles he favored into uh, creatures. So at some point, uh, Nagesh sends him on a, on, a, on a secret mission or just a mission mission where he, he ships him off to the perimeter and Nimical. Hey guys, this, those are the edges of the realms. Um, the places of wild magic, things get wacky out there. Uh, and when Ushan returns, He's changed, which makes a lot of sense. That, that doesn't surprise us, right? Uh, and he goes on a killing spree, slaughter spree. He's he's going he's gone wild. Uh, the veneer of sort of civility and nobility drops, and that bestial nature from within uh, is let loose. I think he was full conspiracy theorist. Like oh. they're out to get me. Someone's out to get me. I don't disagree because they don't go into exactly what happens in the perimeter inimical, but. Part of what it says is that he is investigating someone is stealing grave sand from the edge of the realm. We know that Nagash is stealing grave sand from the edge of the realm. <laughs> so I wonder if he is going full conspiracy, only he's not wrong. Yeah. What, do you think he found out about what was going on and Nagash didn't want him to know? And so he made him crazy? That is my to hide version it. of a Paul theory. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, like they don't explain it, and I'm just like, well, we know what's going on at the edge of the realm. Nagash is going on at the edge of the realm, and um, in the previous battle tome, it says Nagash is the one who cursed him uh, to be okay. ugly, and then yeah, Nagash curses him to be ugly. He goes on this rampage, starts killing everyone, and Nagash sends the other Martarks to imprison him in the shroud cage. Sure, which doesn't sound like a very sturdy cage if it's made of shrouds. Like that's, I mean, you just walk right through that. Um, but back to the perimeter, though. Like, yeah. but but why wouldn't Nagash care if he knew? Like, I don't understand. What, and, and and guys, maybe maybe I missed over glossed over it. Like, did Nagash have a vendetta against this guy? It seemed like this guy was is it because it was because he was getting more popular than Nagash was. Is that maybe one of the reasons why he was um, throwing him under the bus? Yeah, that's one of the weird things with the these two battle tomes. It's like this one goes into more detail on a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. The previous battle tome goes into a little bit more detail on how he goes mad, and okay. that's exactly what that book said happened is gotcha. Nagash was jealous that he was getting more popular. So he cursed him okay. to, cause he's like, Oh, this guy, he's out there. He's the summer King. He's got a beautiful crown. He's pretty. Everyone's worshiping because of him. What if I made him look gross? Mm -hmm. That'd be a funny mm -hmm. joke, right? Ha ha. I mean, and mm. then he started freaking out. Yeah. A real beauty in the beast. Funny. Cause they kind of look, so not dissimilar, like a hunched monstrous creature. Um, uh, okay, see, we were talking before the episode started. I'm like, I feel like I'm missing some stuff. Like, I feel like I'm missing some motivations or like I'm not understanding the origin, but getting that context, that makes it a little, a little bit more sense. But at any rate... Um, well, and I, we get... I mean, I think Nagash is one of those, like, his all his Mortarks are his different personalities. True. And so there's this aspect, but he's always, he's always in conflict with them in some yeah. way. So I think that there's a duality of, yes, this is like one of his most, his best Mortarks, but like you, I do think there could be jealousy or like, I mean, he ate up every other death God in the, mm -hmm. in, in the realm. So he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, uh, suffer no fools. Um, so it's I definitely still, like that idea. Yeah. It's still wild though that like he made this guy. No, no, no. Manfred's the same. Manfred's from him, yeah. but is always scheming against him. And he's yeah. like, I kind of like it. 
<laughs> right. He's like, I, I hate it, but I love it. Uh, yep. Nagash is the guy who will give you the tools to succeed and then get jealous when you're successful. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, you said that with a tone that makes me think that you know someone in real life that or is exactly like that. Long <laughs> like enough, everyone does. Yeah. The, the <laughs> adage of giving him a long enough rope to hang himself. Sure. Also true. At any rate, uh, goes crazy, starts killing everybody. The other Mortars have to subdue the guy, put the guy in the shroud cage. Um, and he, he's ranting and raving. I feel like there's like whispers and stuff exacerbating his uh, mania while he's locked away. And he spends much of the Age of Myth and a chunk of the Age of Chaos um, locked up. Um, Do you think they had an intervention banner? Like they, I, they invited him to a party thought it was one thing, but he got there and they're like, mm, this isn't a coronation. This is actually an intervention. I thought if they, if, if I thought they liked him at all, maybe I'd be inclined to believe so, but they were, they, I'm sure they were just chomping at the bit to do something oh, yeah. about this guy. Um, so there's that, uh, any other age of myth or transition stuff to age of chaos that you guys want to cover? Um, just that, uh, until this point, he still had his own line of vampires and, mm they are very attuned to him. So as he starts losing his mind, it passes down uh, the rest of his dynasty. Sure. Good note, actually. And that'll be important later. It's one of my favorite things, too, of in this book solidifying that the ghoul kings, because the first time I'd heard this like solidified was in the royal uh, beast flares for Warcry, that the leader of that was a vampire. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, before the ghoul kings, like, what is he? Um, there was also another, uh, story, uh, early on, um, about a group of when the, um, oh, it was the bull hearts going down sure. to, to Shyish, and mm -hmm. they came across a little group of Vargulfs or they didn't name them Vargulfs, but it was sort of like a vampire coven that was bestial mm -hmm. that protected this village or whatnot. Um, and so the idea that the leaders of the, the flesh eater courts are um, deprived or, or degraded vampires uh, is, is solidified here, nice. which I like. Yeah. 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 And it's one of those things that like, if you don't know the faction at all, you would just assume they're all ghouls. But like, that's the interesting thing is that this army as far as their origin goes, is split between the full undead of the vampire abhorrence and then the half undead mm -hmm. uh, mordants because they're living, but they have so much death energy coursing through them that they're like not fully alive, but yeah, they never yeah. died. So they're not undead. Yeah. They set off the death detectors. Mm -hmm. for sure. mm -hmm. they get, there's a, there's a whiff, uh, whiff. Not whiff. Man, I'm getting all my words wrong today. Waft, whiff of wafting whiff. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, wafting whiffs of undead uh, energy. Um, Age of Chaos. Boom. Uh, chaos forces its way into the realms. Um, all sorts of civilizations fall. And when a civilization falls, not not always does, are, are they eliminated to a man. Um, but rather, uh, there are those that get left behind. They get looked over. That like hide in hidey holes and caves and stuff like that. And it's um, and doing so, I think, is those 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 I'm gonna say creatures, but uh, those that don't or that don't get taken over, don't have to subdue to chaos. Those the ones that left behind, they still have to survive. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ways that you know mortals in the realms try to survive the age of chaos, um, and it's not always pretty. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do um, in very desperate times, desperate measures, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know that are they 
are they ghouls? Do they become ghouls now? Is this when it so starts? Is this what it, it's the start of it? Um, they start devolving. They start getting like delusional because they have to cope with what they've done, which is a callback to like their old world lore. But they don't fully become ghouls until their delusion is sort of hacked by a, a local vampire ghoul king who comes okay. up to them. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so one of these uh, lineage of Ushran in trying to survive the age of chaos might gather together a group of survivors, hide them away in a broken down fort or castle or something like that, and part of that might be feeding them some of their blood or, you know, like, uh, you know, pulling them. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm sure it starts off at first of like, okay, we're safe because of this vampire. Oh, this vampire is kind of nuts. Thinks he's something other, but we got to placate them. Otherwise we'll rip our hearts out. So we'll play along. And then the playing along becomes just their life. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, that sort of thing. Um, It feels like there's a lot of trauma in this. Uh, Yeah. Well, and if you think too hard about it, it's real sad. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like we had to do all these terrible things just to survive. And then someone who at this point looks beautiful to you comes up and goes, what if those things you did were fine, actually? (laughs) And normal. But good. Yeah. Let's keep doing it. Sure. Like it's easy to fall into that. Um, I like the idea of like them doing the things that they think they have to, like but they haven't, like maybe some of these survivors haven't gone crazy yet, but like, this is the only way I'm going to like, it's not because I'm doing it on desperation. It's because he's making me do it. Right. And then, yeah. then you fall into the, like the delusion a little bit. Again, some of them actually just go crazy straight out, but like I no. think others are like, uh, forced into it. I'm um, for sure. Um, well, it's oh just too, just adding to that, that Nagash in the age of chaos is beaten by, uh, Archeon. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Nagash isn't around. I mean, there's some other things. It's not the only thing that happens. One of the major things is he doesn't help. the Nagash does not help uh, do his part in the Pantheon. And so go, so him and Sigmar have a big falling out. Um, and so there's a whole, uh, you know, chase scene a la, you know, Fast and the Furious uh, <laughs> uh, that, that happens through the realms. And then at some point, Nagash is beaten and has to slink away and recover. And so these little fiefdoms have to survive for themselves. There's no God to protect them. And so I think, I think that there's just a lot of like fending for themselves uh, and, and not having anybody to answer to or to kind of bring any order to or or Um, control. And also during that fast and the furious chase, Instead of like crashing through like a little market stall like they do in the movies, Sigmar accidentally crashes through the shroud cage and mm. Thorin just scampers off and disappears <laughs> for a while. Giggling. Again, the shroud cage makes it sound like it says he's in between some sheets hanging like on the laundry yeah. line. So yeah, that's all it is. Like, like you parrots. could have walked out like at any yeah. point. Um, <laughs> you know, when you put have birds, you put a, a cloth over it and you go to sleep. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's exactly right. Um just you, you talk about just uh, what folks have to do to survive the age of chaos. One of my favorite things in Age of Sigmar is finding out how different cultures like survive age of chaos. Like I, I just I, I'm going to keep a running tally of all the no, things no, that no, think no. people have had to do, <laughs> like the creative ways or not so creative ways, frankly, um, that people have to survive this terrible time. Like if you're a dwarf, maybe you hop in an airship and you just fly away, um, or you know, or a fire slayer and you go bury yourself down deep. Um, but in this case, sometimes you just got to eat your friends. Um, <laughs> 
same same, same diff uh, <laughs> equal um but yeah that big, are you comparing uh, and contrasting for the time in which you might have to do this and you're like well which one's gonna be I my mean, if route I pre- if i can get into the right mindset ahead of time i think it'll yeah. make it a lot easier yeah um so there's that uh age of chaos uh survival is the name of the game um nagash has been defeated no one's coming to save you guys so maybe you follow a crazy vampire um people any other age of chaos thoughts no i think this is this is where that that point of again just uh ushron has been freed he flees goes to hide himself away at least has enough of a mind to that um and i think that from there the the minds of the the aberrants just further like complete yeah. the symphony completes in mm-hmm. the, in how bad the curse gets because i think the shroud was there's some trying to heal him in there yeah or or it said whether or not the guest was actually I was trying to gonna say it's said but what it did is it splintered his mind into different personalities yeah so but now that he's free that infection rapid yeah. rapidly increases um, yeah. as, as it, they devolve and to the point like that you could say is like now at this point in the timeline is when they are the flesh eater courts okay gotcha. um which is interesting because they they'll always be like oh yeah this faction you didn't see them but they've been around since the age of myth or they've kind of been around and yada, yada like we actually have like this moment of mm-hmm. when normal vampires and normal people shifted into uh, what would become this faction sure another thing i like about age of sigmar is all the different points at which factions become real things like real boys um throughout the timeline it's not all at, not magically all at the same time but throughout history different things arise at different times good storytelling i love hearing it um <laughs> it's all like right a nice lasagna yeah it's got layers man or like a yeah. stratification of it like you look at whatever a cliff face and you see dinosaurs anyways um so <laughs> Age of Sigmar comes, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolts, uh, strange armored men come appearing from the skies. Uh, what What is the early days of the Age of Sigmar? Let's think that Age of Sigmar 1.0 time frame. What does that mean for, mean for the flesh eater courts? Uh, how are they living? How are they surviving? What is, what, what's, their, what's their lifestyle back then? What do you guys think? Well, they are not too keen on these uh, creatures of the Shining God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Twofold. One, literally, they've been in darkness. And I think that brightness, like imagine seeing that and being too bright. The other, I think, is a little bit of shining a light on what how they've been living and what they've been doing. And there's probably some Azerite magic that kind of clears their heads for moments. It's my head cannon. Uh, and that's terrifying. So yeah. they have to dig into that delusion. These things are demonic and... Uh, uh, they don't want any piece of that, or they want all the pieces of that, whichever. In their mouth. In yeah. their mouth. Well, and from their point of view, you're seeing these undead armored monstrosities riding lightning down and killing everything around them. You're going to fight back. Yeah. <laughs> Got to defend the realms. Um, I like the idea that they consider them demons, which in, in some degree, like, uh, like these manifestations of their gods, you know, will on the world like how, how far from demons are the stormcast really especially from the vantage point of these uh, flesh eater courts so um I, I like i like that perspective uh not that i'm becoming a flesh eater court guys don't don't mm. misunderstand me there's um, been there's been a few red flags there <laughs> yeah a couple 
<laughs> Sorry, no, myself. Um, yeah, yeah, very I neat. don't know if this what? is the right point to bring it up, but one of my favorite parts of this book is throughout the book you see uh, someone who starts off as an unreliable narrator become reliable yeah. as he <laughs> gets well, engulfed in the court. Um, it's a painter, and they're forcing him to paint all the court nobles. And it just starts off like, oh, Baron Gizzard is gross. I don't like this guy. And then slowly it's like, you know, the queen, she's actually one of the good. She's great. Um, she's been really kind. She's fair. And then just slowly he's painting them as the court sees them as he fully becomes part of the of like just a ghoul. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I definitely love it. And it, it helps illustrate the um, the de-evolution kind of what we were talking about before in terms of like what you got to do to survive right um in that like it it's hard to picture how do you go from point a to point b how, what's that transition like um and showing it in a very unique uh storytelling way i think was incredibly well uh conceived um and i think pretty well executed so uh one of the mentions uh as a uh, result of the necroquake and the dead arising all over the realms uh, that the ghouls perceive these undead as happy peasants returning to their labors mm-hmm. uh, or panicked refugees. So there's a there's a bit of, um, yeah, just uh, feeling a bit more comfortable with all the un- undead around. I think they kind of probably come out of their, their caves a little bit more and uh, 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 mingle. Yeah, right. Um, that's fun. Hey, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a cool story. So we transitioned over into kind of that Soul, Soul Wars era. Nagash is back and better than ever, um, raising undead. Um, one of the cool stories uh, from this time frame, I believe, I guess this is just where it falls. Maybe it, it doesn't necessarily speak to war specifically. It had happened, but um, there were these uh, Karajan overlords that were flying past, you know, flying past mountains. I, I forget what realm, but maybe actually or something like that. But uh, they uh, see this low. Oh, Hish. All right. And so they're mining something in this guy, presumably either gold or some other. No, that's the fun part. They're actually getting, uh, they call it Hishian energies from the race. They're creating solar energy. Sure. And I got to say, all the problems in the realms. Sure. I knew knew it was something different. It wasn't, by no means is it something as mundane as Aether gold, right? Oh, boring snooze fest. (laughs) Um, But so they keep flying past this mountain peak and they see this lone figure who's like cursing them. And they're sort of, uh, you know, screw this guy. But then like, at one point, the sky gets blotted out, and this metalith is being pulled by a swarm of. I wrote it down. It's crypt flares. Um, so imagine, like, so they're laughing at this terrestrial guy. I mean, there's flying circles around him, um, probably mooning him or something. Well, they, I guess it's his sun. It's not the moon; it's the sun, I guess. Um, but uh, it's they get their comeuppance when this giant metalith is just getting dragged um, by crypt flares, and so that'll that'll teach you to be sassy. Um, it blots out the sun so that they're. Their uh, solar cars don't work anymore. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, they're one, ah, they're one weakness. Um, eclipses. <laughs> uh, it's my weakness too, actually. Um, okay, so that was a fun little story. Uh, any other uh, hallmarks of the time of tri- tribulations era for the? Um, um, there's just one thing. I'm trying to forget if it's one of the actual stories, but one thing that I'll never forgive Nagash for is with the Soul Wars it really upsets some of the afterlives um, that's going on. And so the ghouls of a certain kingdom, they believe that when they die, they go and it's like a version of Valhalla where they just get to live with their ancestors as warrior Kings. Sure. And that's what would happen. Their souls would actually be 
clean of the delusion so they could be the people they saw themselves in life. And then when the necroquake happened, it gave them their delusions back. <laughs> now there are soul eating ghoul ghosts that are going around the under realms. I'm just like, he took even that from them. Mm-hmm. I'll never forgive him. <laughs> they were happy. Finally. Sure. Uh, Nagash doesn't want your forgiveness. You can choke on that forgiveness. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's fun. Uh, cool. All right, moving right along. Hey, guys, a little bit more present day. We, we were brought up then to the Age of Beasts, um, that Broken Realms time frame, give or take. Uh, what's what's new in the world of uh, Flesh Eater Courts? What's shaken? What uh, what do we what do we know now that we did not know before? Um, one of the things is that when Soul Wars first kicked off. Uh, like Eric had said, that they, they saw a lot of the undead as like peasants coming out and or as refugees that needed to be guarded. Not all of the undead um, treat them kindly, uh, specifically like the Osiarch Bone Reapers. We saw this a little bit in Broken Realms, and they retell the story here. Uh, the Osiarchs wanting to invade Hish keep on asking them for their bones, thinking, well, we'll make better use of your bones than we you will, obviously. And so they actually fight. And with the Kragnos in the area of the beasts, the ghouls are getting that beast shell energy and kind of doing a little bit of revenge on some of the other undead factions that didn't treat them as kindly as they felt like they deserved. Sure. In faction fighting, I love it. But they still love Nagash. <laughs> they just don't like the Bone Reapers. There's a, a new fun named character, uh, uh, Grand Justice Gormain. Uh, and there's a story about uh, two abhorrent, uh, you know, kind of uh, kingdoms or or fiefdoms, lords that are uh, neighbors uh, of this. What I think I think it says it explicitly, maybe a village of of mortals or something like that. And uh, it's kind of their food source and where they they you know add to their ranks. Uh, but some of these mortals have been. They've been finding them dead and they, they blame each other like, hey, you, they must have eaten them or, you know, no, no, you ate them. And so it comes down. They go through a, a process. They find out that gorgers were actually uh, neighboring gorgers, climbed out of caves and came and ate a bunch of people. And so they, they work together to purge um, the gorgers. And then uh, Gourmet, uh punishes both the abhorrents. Um, they're chained together and hurled into the depths so that they can <laughs> further purge. So it's like you guys have to go together, work together down in this pit and, and clear it out. Uh, all the stockpiles of food are seized uh, by the Grand Justice. Um, and uh, I, assuming all the servants are um, subsumed into his his court or something like that. So <laughs> super fair, uh, yeah. super uh, above board. You know, a little, real. little, you know, wisdom of Solomon kind of guy. I was just going to say, real King, real King Solomon uh, vibes from this dude. Uh, I just like because it's the ghoul version of like the the get along shirt when mm-hmm. two kids are fighting. You have to make him wear the get along shirt. He's like, yeah, you guys are friends now. Go deal with this. Yeah, <laughs> hug it out. Sure. <laughs> Tragedy of the commons. Um, very cool. Those are fun, fun little stories. Um, what. I think is most impactful uh, around this time frame is we learn what had happened to, to Ushron. So we talked about before Age of Chaos, uh, Sigmar broken from his shroud cage again. Could have walled straight out at any time. Um, it's just it's just white white wafting sheets. Uh, but um, 
we get a lock on his whereabouts. Um, there mm-hmm. are some clues, some hints, I think some uh, night haunt in the service of Neferata, which those two don't go together. Um, but they, they find this uh, court, this, this new court of the summer. Some might call it a new summer court. Um, and they find that, oh, this is where uh, Ushon has set up shop in the realm of life, surprisingly. Um, and yeah, they, his delusion is such that it's attracting people, uh, pilgrims, pilgrim, they're making the, the trek to to find him. Um, and so the forces of death then got to decide what they're going to do with this guy. So first things first, let's put up a perimeter. We don't, we don't want to lose him again, whether he, from his own volition or if someone like takes him out. So boom, 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 they erect a bone reaper like fortress around him, or a wall of bones. Um, and now the question is, well, what do we, what do we do with this guy? Like he seems to have forgotten his betrayal, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and he's just sort of stark raving mad at this point. Like how, how can he be used? How can he be, um, you know, put to the best service of Nagash in his state? So that essentially is where he spends most of this era then is just locked up as they're trying to d- deliberate. Um, I'll pause there. Well, what do you guys want to add um, to the thought? So one thing I want to add is the absolute travesty that has happened to us with this, which is uh, he's in the realm of life, but specifically he is in an area called the neck, which is an isthmus. Uh, So Games Workshop thought that if you're going to have Mad City on an isthmus, you're going to put ghouls on it. So they're just calling the Mortal Realms podcast ghouls. I'm yeah. just saying it. It's a blow to our egos, but we'll take it. I take it as a compliment they invented, yeah. frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the best places are on Isthmus, which yeah. I think is a direct... I think I literally said that last time we talked about this. Um, uh, other thoughts about Ushran's new home and or prison? This one seems a little harder to walk out of. Not impossible, but like mm, a little trickier. Not made of shrouds, made of bones. Uh, so what happens is these creatures find him and they let him know about all the things that are going on in the realms. And so this is where in the Dawnbringer stuff, he sends out his Morrow Scroll heralds. Uh, and so there's a little bit of him starting to make moves into the realms from his summer court or new summer court. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little more aware Um so he declares the War of the Red Errantry. Um, skies above the new summer quarter darkened by shrieking leathery-winged predators. A stench of blood thickens as the ghouls spread their vision of utopia. So he is, it's his time. It's their time up there. It's his time down there. And other people who, you know, get everything wrong, they would call this the Cannibal Crusades. Yeah, that's it. For, we forgot one over. important thing that's been happening. Um, and I think it was happening before this, or maybe it's happening right now. Yeah. Neferata has been extracting his blood. Yep. And weaponizing it. So they've been slipping it into drinks or, you know, finding mortals that they want to control. So Neferata is kind of a spy master, a, mani- a master manipulator, all that kind of stuff. So it's just been a tool in her kit for, yeah. you know, taking over or weakening or, you know, um, that sort of thing, other people. And they've been showing this off in some of the White Dwarf stories and throughout the Dawnbringer series that has been showing up in bottles of wine and Callus and Toll are on the hunt currently uh, in the Dawnbringer series itself. Uh, and to your point, Aaron, I'm like, oh, what are they going to do with this guy now that he's locked up? Uh, he gets to start his own little vineyard, which is a great little retirement plan. Oh, that's 
we should all be so lucky. Yeah, gosh. Um, so we're dancing around, I think, some answers to questions that listeners are asking. And I think I might, before we spend any more time on it, I'm going to ask them real quick and we can determine if there's anything else to squeeze out of them. But first things first. Uh, squeeze uh, those page- grapes. Yeah, squeeze them. Or stomp on them with our, our juicy feet. Um, uh, patron of the show, Chris Ling, they ask. Uh, do we learn any more about Nagash's attitude towards the flesh eater courts, or let's say maybe Ushran? Um, what is his reaction to Ushran's return? And I think that's what we're kind of talking about right now. Is like, look, uh, he was crazy. We had him locked up, but like, wh- how do we best utilize him um, in this situation? I think part of it's extracting his blood. Um, again, he doesn't want to destroy him. He, he could. Like, I think it probably wouldn't be particularly hard for Nagash to take the guy out, but like, yeah. it's not the most you know, utilitarian use of Usharan currently. Well, and as far as uh, Nagash's opinions of the flesh eater courts is like, he loves that there are mortals that worship him. He thinks it's great. There is a problem though of in Shaiish, Nagash's whole plan is to fill the lands with despair so that they will fall into the Shaiish Nader and give him more power. The problem is that ghouls don't have despair if they're feeling despair, they just get more delusional and become mm-hmm. happier. So they're actually kind of slowing down that process. Um, and it says like Nagash is almost happy that Ushoran is back and wants to lead these cannibal crusades so he can shoo them out of his house and he can continue living on his own. Uh, I don't know if it's ex- explicitly said or if it's just implied, but like furthermore, he likes like lockstep in order, like control, yeah. like, uh, like, um, I'm trying to think of other words for that stuff, but the cannibals are anything but that. Like they are wild and free and, uh, you know, off the chain and, and like Nagash is all chains all the time. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that there's also that component too, that like he's going to, he'll allow them now, but like at one point, I think Nagash's perfect world does not include these things, does not include like ghouls anymore because they're too, you know, out of control. And it does say some of them, specifically the vampires, they know this. And it says, like, as many of the abhorrent hate Nagash as much as some of them love him because they realize they're not part of his great plan. Yeah, true. This uh, There's a line here. Nagash covets Usharan's service while despising his nature. For though the Mortark's capacity for deranged innovation has defeated many enemies who presume the undead to be predictable, mm, yeah. his madness defies the utter sterile necrotopia the god would create. So there's there's a there's a push-pull there. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Um, that's cool. And then another question, similar, uh, Darth Alec asks, uh, how do the various fa- various factions react to the Summer King being back? Um, some are Nagash worshippers. And then I think maybe what we were talking about here, is there is there any mention of Neferata, Archon, or Manfred react? Neferata, obviously, with the wine. I don't know that we get much from a Manfred or Archon perspective. Um, yeah, no one went to the edge of Hish and asked the Void, uh, that is where Archon is, uh, his opinion yet. So we, we haven't seen much from him yet. And I think it's probably too early for us to get the idea of what the other factions necessarily think. Well, I guess I'm thinking he means across the other Grand Alliances, but I suppose the other death factions probably have some opinions. The Bone Reapers like built the walls around the guy, like so they're there to serve uh, whatever you know they're, they're told to do. And Night Haunts, the, ones, the only ones that we've been exposed to, I think, are the ones working for Neferata, uh, unless I'm missing some. No, that's kind of all they mention of like, they kind of share the same opinion that Nagash does. Like the Bone Reapers think that if you give us your bones, we would just, this would be so much easier if we yeah. had what you have. Give me your bones. We want them. Please. Not please. Just do it. I think it mentions the other Soul Blade just looked down on them. 
Mm-hmm. Probably because they realize, like, oh, you're kind of like us, but worse. Yeah. Quote, worse. Not, not as cool. Um, or double as cool. All right. Uh, very neat. Um, so those are, I guess, sort of how uh, death is reacting to um, the flesh of your courts. Where does this where does this leave us now? We've talked about there's a crusade now. Um is going to be sending out his forces to save the moral realms uh, from his perspective anyways. Um while at the same time, uh, the agents of Neferata or, or Nagash are, are infecting the realms, um, transitioning them over uh, to uh, the worship of Usharan. Um, I guess that probably sums it up. Are we missing anything? Like, like what comes next, do you think? Um, I mean, what comes next is Dawnbringer's book four, True. Um, Return of the King. I forget what it's actually called. But <laughs> I think probably that. Yeah, probably that. Well, it's interesting because we had the Cities of Sigmar release between books one and two. And like you needed to read the Cities of Sigmar book to understand book two at all. Yeah. I almost feel like this is the opposite. I almost feel like releasing this army box before book four came out is weird. Because I feel like book four is going to tell us what comes next. Sure. Um, so we're just like in that weird spot of like, oh, yeah, and he's kind of back. How does he get out? We don't really say. We just know that he does. Does that happen in the book? Does it not? Do we explain what happens next? It's a it's a weird spot. Sure. Yeah, I think the big reveal ought to be in the Dawnbringer. Like, I'm going to reiterate yeah. what you're saying, basically. But I think that the, the pullback of the curtain, the big reveal should land in the Dawnbringers. And so I think this book coming first kind of takes some of the wind out of that sail uh, or wind out of the... Um, curtains on the laundry line i can't get the image out of my head um but so like it it would make sense i think for it to go the opposite direction yeah. um, um but we do know like i said he's at the neck which is where the gyranian crusade is heading towards so we know something between the two forces is going to happen yeah friendship almost yes. assuredly yeah it's going to become he's a cannibal crusade Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it would be a good metal band name if it isn't already honestly uh, alright cool uh, any other timeline event story based stuff that you guys want to talk about too late Mr. Chance alright so let's uh, let's let's go broad um, a little bit let's let's uh, talk about the faction how they work so I'd be curious to know how, how do you guys think that the Flesh eater courts are organized. How do they live? How do they? How do the? How does for the culture work? Um, what's what's a day in the life? What do you guys? What what have you been able to glean from this battle tone that you want to share with the listeners? There's certainly a a mimicry of the delusion in their head. So, uh, you know, they talked about seeing the undead arising from the necroquate as peasants returning to their labors, right? So there's a sense that, you know, you think of. Um, low fantasy, you know, workers in the fields and, you know, uh, brushing horses and feeding the knights and training, all of that stuff happens in their head. Um, and, but what they're doing, uh, is not necessarily anachronistic to what's in their delusion. So, um, you know, we've, we've had lots of stories th- throughout the, you know, Age of Sigmar of like, I think in the very first, a uh, book that came out, we got introduced to this delusion. So it's been cooking, right? Um, since the their first book in Age of Sigmar that, you know, they're at a feast and there's fine wine and there's beautiful things on the on the table. And, you know, we 
gets snapped out of it and there's a you know person's head on the plate you know that sort of thing so i think that they're they are doing the scavenging the cannibalizing the ripping of things apart being absolute carnivorous beasts um but they in their minds they're going through the the etiquette of court um or whatever level or layer of courthood um uh, and I think they're doing that wherever, like, I think they can transform any real reality into that. So if they're in a cave, if they're in a broken castle, if they're at the bottom of a crevice, you know, all of that is, is you know, uh, affected by or can be twisted into yeah. their, to fit their narrative. Yeah. And like, it calls out a few of those examples of like, Oh, you know, the, the workers think that they are mining for precious materials, but really they're going into cave systems and hunting great beasts and breaking their bones back uh, to make stuff. Or like lumberers who are hacking up like gnarled wood trees and bringing back like the weird blood sap. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned like any level of court and that goes down to the daily serfs and the, the farmers. We finally found out where they are. And what they're doing. <laughs> they're in the gold courts. You guys wanted farmers. We got you farmers. Um, we got them. Yeah. And it's at the bottom layer, but then all the way up too. like even the, the lords and ladies think they're in their, you know, finery or whatever and having decadent meals. And I guess they're decadent in a way, uh, a little rich for my blood, but um, it's, <laughs> it's, they are, you know, pantomiming like uh, court um, events and things, but where it's just, you know, charnel houses and, and yeah. So it, it's, yeah. It's everyone equally buys into uh, this at, at all all stratas um, all the way to the top. One interesting thing that it also calls out for like the nobles is it says that the delusions brought down by Ushorin are so powerful that like people will take on the names of the people in his original court. Mm. Um, so it's like, oh, you've got uh, this duke. Um, I can't think of any of the examples, but the Duke who does the main hunting will take the name of Lushorn's Duke who did the main hunting. And there is subsuming those personalities trying to recreate those courts. And not everyone does this. So that way the players can come up with their own, but it's interesting that it's that powerful of an effect. Yeah. yeah. There might be specific stories or relationships that get reenacted or played out. You know, you can visit four different uh, flesh eater court establishments and you might have the same beast flayer or the beast uh, royal beast flayer leader or you know the I don't know if Grand Justice Gourmet is one model or if there's a Grand Justice Gourmet in every fiefdom. Really? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're like Nurse Jenny from Pokemon. <laughs> like are they different people? Are they the same? We have no idea. I'm Spartacus. Um <clears throat> Yeah, that's fun. We had a couple of questions that I thought uh, made sense to ask around here. Um, for example, here's one from Gork's Poke and Finger. Uh, they want to know, can anyone become a flesh eater? Uh, I don't know if this book explicitly answers it. So I'll, let's, I'll ask that. Does the book say? I don't remember. It's, isn't there a, um, there's a phrase, uh, over the teeth and past the gums, look out, <laughs> gut, here it comes. <laughs> if you don't get that treatment, then yes, you can become a flesh eater. <laughs> Okay, sure. Right. If you're not eaten, it's like they divide you into two, right? 
two paths. You can either be eaten by a flesh eater or you can become a flesh eater. Become, yeah, you live long enough to see yourself become the hero. Um, <laughs> if the book doesn't say it, my then follow-up question would be, do you think other things can become flesh eaters? What do you guys so, think? This book doesn't say, but I know in Ghoul Slayer, there is a mega gargant sized ghoul, but Ooh. I forget if it was a mega gargant. Um, so I'm going to say yes. If a mega gargant's iron stomach can defeat, like still fall victim to it, anyone can. Yeah. I also think that the vials uh, that they're they're pulling from him, the, the fine wine of Usheron, uh, is something that can transform people into ghouls okay so and if that's the case then i can't wait on the infinite timeline that is age sigmar i hope one day we can see non-human based i think um uh, ghouls. if yeah. you drink prime i think that's i think that's got it in it yeah so if you want to drink prime that might turn you into a ghoul i don't Maybe I do. Um, all right, cool. Uh, Chris Ling, patron of the show, had another question. They ask, uh, do flesh eater courts just eat humans or do some have a more unusual diet? Uh, I almost assuredly have an unusual diet. They'll eat weird things. I think, Will, you're just mentioning uh, gnarlwood sap. Um, but it's not just a human thing. It's a flesh thing or flesh adjacent thing um, would be my guess. Do you guys have any other fun examples? Yeah, um, that example of like the, the miners, they're... They're not just bringing back the bones; they're bringing back the the flesh too of monsters. Um, so, like we know, they eat people, and we know they eat monsters. And I'm assuming they eat everything in between. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and what they eat determines some of their transformation. So, like crypt horrors and crypt um, flayers are all, uh, you know, they have wings because, like, they were humans or they were mortals, and based on what they eat. Uh, transforms their kind of final look. So, um, um, yes, they do eat different things, and that can change. That, like that gives you different flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost forgot my favorite part. I know you don't like talking about Aaron, but in one of the battle plans, oh, disgusting. Uh, for Path to Glory, the entire mission is them fighting over different parts of Omega Gargant, and they can take a turn to eat. The mega gargant to get different things like oh if you eat the liver you get a ward save mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you eat the brain you get better magic um so you know the mega gargants i'm just gonna edit out the word battle plan i think we're all set no. that's good yeah how do you eat uh, a mega gargant one bite at a time i love it uh all right uh, another question uh from darth alec uh, they ask, does the faction feel like it could function longer than the time it takes to deplete local food stores and eat all the ghouls? I don't know what he means by eat all the ghouls. Uh, the old faction suffered a lot from where are the peasants. I guess the question is like, does it, is this believable uh, yeah. how they could subsist on whatever their food stores stores are? Or do you have to sort of turn that part of your brain off to think like, wouldn't they eat themselves out of house and home? I mean, there was the this, the story with the gourmet um, Grand Justice Gourmet, where they kind of treated these other villages or mortals like as a resource that they had to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe they're like, and I think, is it Gourmet in particular that has a bit more wherewithal, a, a bit more? Mm-hmm. Someone's going to ask about that later, though. So yeah. yeah. But, so true. I think that they're amongst their ranks, there are some who are more capable. Of and I would assume the aberrants might be more capable as vampires than the ghouls themselves of managing certain resources. Yeah. And that plays into it because it says, "Where are the peasants?" The book has a section on ghoul peasants, 
uh, the farmers and they are storing most of their food um, once it's processed in towers that they think are granaries and they can only bust those open when the king gives permission for a feast. So to your point, Eric, like they did, they specifically say the vampire abhorrence are regulating the food. Of course, they're delusional. They'll probably break those open whenever they feel like it. But some of that is there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Huh. Um, other thoughts about how the ghouls sort of live or survive or uh, spend, spend their time sort of at home, as I like to call it. Other thoughts there? Because I have a follow-up question. This is an Aaron question. Uh, they spend some time talking about Charnel Court, uh, which, although it doesn't really play into the story all that much, I I hadn't I didn't know much about the place. Did you guys learn anything about this uh, Charnel Court? Which, if I understand correctly, was the realm from which Ushran came. Like that's where he he got his start. Is that was his original kingdom? Is that right? Right. I don't know if we, as I say, I don't know if we've spent much time there previously at all. So I thought it was, although it stood out from a story perspective, like it, it didn't really necessarily drive what we were talking about <laughs> with what we were talking about. At the same time, it was also an interesting bit of information. Yeah, it's where he ruled during the Age of Myth. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all those court members that everyone else is emulating, they were in Charnel Court. It doesn't actually go into too many specifics because he has not gone back really he just created like a new one and guy ran instead i wonder if he'll get if like he'll have some glorious return to like the lands once lost to him um so again i, I thought it was an odd inclusion but in, in like a welcome well, one at the same time what is also really odd the fact that like they don't mention it too much is we've seen this in uh Dawnbringer's three the long hunt astrea soblight goes to charnel court and then she steps through a painting into new Charnel Court. So, like, he's got a realm gate to his original home in his castle that he has not used. Like, I don't know if he just is delusional and can't see it or he doesn't want to go home because in his that's, mind, he's right. That sounds Zinchian. Yeah. Right? Uh, he can go home uh, whenever he wants to and he just chooses not to. Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting. That is uh let's they've done a very good job in the Dawnbringer books to like continue those threads right so i doubt that's the last we see of soulbright and so like yeah. maybe maybe there's an answer to that question in those books um when she yeah. you know pops out so uh good good little, put a little pin in that one guys maybe we'll circle back to it um all right in that case uh we could talk a little bit about um if there's anything else to talk about on the uh, so then what do they do abroad right so if they're not at home chilling in their castles having you know court parties or whatever you do if you're a feudal lord um how do they interact with the realms at large what how do they interact with those other races um it seems as if i'm getting the impression that a lot of times they wait for the realms to come to them um because they're hiding in their little i mean not hiding they don't know that they're hiding but they're they're spending time in their castles and their nooks and crannies crevices in those dark places and i think a lot of the fiction that we've seen thus far is you know, other forces out there stumbling upon the flesh of your courts. Oh, we kicked the nest and now they we've, we're being swarmed. Um, but I think that's about to change, right? We're going to see a, a, a difference there. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the flesh of your courts interacting with the realms at large? I think it, it's going to mirror the Dawnbringer Crusades. Mm, I think, I you know, the Dawnbringers are the, are the actual, well, I mean, They've got the courts. They've got the you know uh, the the religious uh, fervor to send people out to capture these 
um, uh, nexuses and that sort of stuff. And I think the, the, they're going to, these guys are going to do the same. They're going to um, ride out on their, on their mounts and their great winged beasts and try and conquer new lands. There's not much else to add. I think we're going to probably maybe see that materialize ideally in the Dawnbringer books, right? Like we can talk about it conceptually, but ideally I want want to see it in action. I want to see what that looks like. Um, So more to come on that front as well. Uh, A question that I think maybe we could have asked earlier, but I'm just now reminded of it. Another question for Darth Alec. uh, They ask, uh, do the courts ever engage in real diplomacy with the, uh, I guess with non-death factions. I was thinking death factions, Uh, Mm. real diplomacy with non-death factions. Um, Trying to think of examples. Uh, there was we were talking about in the Discord. Maybe it was Will that, that you brought it up, um, or someone. Uh, how in the attack on Lethus, like yeah. the the ghouls came in and saved the day, but that wasn't really diplomacy per se. Um, is there ever like a meeting of the minds between flesh eater courts and more civilized, and well, so, more or less civilized, depending on how you look at it? That's kind of the weird, tricky thing. Um, because I'm sure the flesh eater courts think that they are, uh, cause they're sending like marrow scroll heralds out to these other kingdoms. Sure. But to those other kingdoms, what's happening is, oh my God, all my people are being turned into ghouls. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not true diplomacy as you would see in like, oh, we talked and then we left and I didn't turn into a ghoul. Are we and are we talking di- diplomacy the same way OCRC are diplomats? Right. You know, like tie tie thus your bones, or we're going to kill you. Like it, that's they're certainly going to they they make they make no bones about who they interact with. Listener, uh, you can't see how big a smirk Eric has in this face right now. How, how proud of himself he is with that one. Uh, I you know so in that same vein, like they they eat other non-death faction so i'm sure that they have different relationships with them uh i think again i think back to that story of the um the um blah, 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 vargulf um yeah. coven where they protect this city well they, and when they encounter them the first thing they they encounter is that these uh humans these mortals have come and they they let these uh, vargulfs feed on them and then they go and the Stormcast are, you know, like incest about this. Um, and so what they find out is that during the Age of Chaos, these Vargals protected that city. And it's the the city, the name of the city is one from um, from the old world. Oh. Uh, uh, what was the name of the, um, the, the terrain piece? That was the like tombs and the fences and that sort of stuff. Yeah. The the garden Garden of more. Yeah. And so this was like something like new more or something, some, some more, 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 uh, more, more, yeah. More car maybe. Cause I know that was Uh, a a in town. Yeah. And so in this particular story, the humans that live there would pay tribute to their, the heroes that kind of protected them and they fed, you know, fed them. So okay. there's there's one example. Sure, man. Yeah. I love that story. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, amazed that you can remember the like details. Eight years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a very long time ago. Um, so I I don't read that much or uh, listen to that much audio. I guess I was gonna say because fortunately I think that one started off as an audio drama, though yeah, it is yeah. not readable these days too. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts? I guess we 
Maybe I already covered it. Crusade's going to be the name of the game. I think we think going forward. Do they interact with uh, the realms in any other way? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to uh, going back to the idea of like, are they under? Are they complete cr- like out of control, or is there some sense of control in the entry about the aberrant cardinals? which we can get in more detail. It says, on a rare occasion, the newly sired aberrant will display some mark of divine favor to prevent these vampires from seizing power through the acclamation of devout serfs. Their sires give them to the cardinal order. So there's a bit of some sentience saying, okay, these guys are dangerous. Let's put them into the the clergy in order to like kowtow them a little bit yeah. uh, and and not uh, not have them be... To like, yeah. and I, I would say that see that as like a protection of their power, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is resource management, and it is something that they're pulling from the histories because that's what like lords would do back in the uh, like medieval like era, like before like Charlemagne. But like lords would just send people off to the monasteries, like, oh, you're my rival, or like you were my brother's son, and I killed him so I could be king. I don't want you to rise up. To the monastery. <laughs> classic. Classic. Going medieval on them. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, in that case, you guys want to dive into some new new stuff? I feel like that's some some of our favorite things to talk about is the yeah. uh, new new junk for new toys, I guess you could say. Not junk. New toys um, to uh, to play around with. How the lore some of them have Some of them have junk. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, in weird places. Um, how the lore intersects with the tabletop. So... Uh, since this is the first Battle Tome review of the Flesh Eater Courts that we've ever done before, we have options here um, in that, yes, there's some new stuff that nobody's ever seen before that we can definitely talk about and I think we ought to talk about. But at the same time, some of the old stuff has never really graced the pages of the story phase here, too. So if you have any oldies but goodies that you guys want to talk about as well, please lay them on me. So uh, first come, first serve. What are some some of your faves in, in this Battle Tome that, you, uh, that really captured you guys' imagination? Um. Oh my gosh, Usheron is. I mean, we'll just Misheron, more like Usheron, man. <laughs> hey, uh, the the model uh, for Usheron is like he would run up to Catacros and just uh, uppercut him uh, with his, his yeah. big old mace and knock him off his plinth. Um, he is just a big old hunchbacked um, uh, giant ghoul. Uh, it's crazy with a bunch of literal screaming heads just kind of stitched along his cape yeah um so i think that one is a showstopper i think you know this 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 army has had the terror geist and the zombie dragon as the sole centerpiece for a very long time um and they've both felt a little not shoehorned in but like you know it's an old kit that has sort of like that's what makes them cool is that they got these big flying uh, skeletal things. Um, and this this changes the game for the army, I think, visually yeah. on its own. Well, and like just to touch on that, this entire army, the reason I love it is because it is an old world army. They took the ghoul kings and the ghouls from Warhammer Fantasy Battles, whose lore was just, yeah, they're cannibals, whatever. It's not too in-depth. They look weird because they eat other people, so they're cursed to look weird. And when AOS came out, they came up, like the writers came up with all of this brand new lore and the idea of the delusions and these courts. 
and out of nothing, like nothing on the models would indicate that the lore matches it, which is such a cool endeavor that they did. But then we had models that didn't match the narrative. Mm. And so Ushorin is finally the realization of this narrative that we've had for so long. And we finally see it in the models. Uh, uh, him and a bunch of the other new stuff as well like which yeah. is it's nice that they're all sort of part and parcel like came as the same wave but you're exactly right in that and i guess it never really occurred to me i'm, I'm looking back and i was looking over here over my shoulder to try to figure out how old the original flesh eater courts book was in terms of like where in the battle tome release order and it's like uh like less than 10 like it, it's it's one of the first 10 battle tomes that came out and i think that what they had done back then in the first edition is like trying to uh, classify, define some of these new new factions in new and interesting ways. And I remember thinking this flesh of your court, and honestly, maybe I'm telling on myself a little bit, like I kind of <laughs> thought the idea was dumb, right? It was it right. was something I had never heard of before. And I, it, was a, it was a valiant first effort, but it seemed very shoehorned. It seemed very tacked on. It seemed like they were kind of desperate to what do we do with these guys kind of thing. Um, and it's taken so long for it to be like manifested. And now over the course, however many years it's been, you know, eight years or something like that. They fine-tuned it. They tweaked it. They they added more to it. They fleshed uh, out yeah. the uh, the concept a little bit time. more. Yep. Um, yeah. so probably, has it ha- not happened yet tonight? That can't be the first nope. one. Um, the first but, time. Uh, it to think that it's taken this long for them to manifest it is both surprising, but then also welcome. So now I'm just yeah. dipping on your toes and saying the same thing. But I agree with you. Um, yeah, I forgot I was supposed to do this way earlier, but like, <laughs> um. Because, like, yeah, the idea is a little stupid. Like, yeah, they're ghouls, but they think they're knights. But it's really resonated with a lot of people. We've yeah. been waiting for this battle tome to finally realize that. Uh, so shout out to the FEC gang, Dab, um, <laughs> who have been waiting for y- literal years mm-hmm. um, for this to happen. Uh, the FEC gang is some people, and even in our Discord, who have just been waiting for this because this is their faction. Sure, sure, sure. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the opposite. I think given that there was like four kits this army had, it had ghouls, it had the crypt flares that they shoehorned into three different, four different, five different uh, units between the like leader type units and the, and, uh, and then, um, you know, you could have the ghoul king on the zombie dragon, or you could take them off and, you know, put them on a on a base. Like they had four kits or something like that total. And they made uh I think they made something beautiful out of it. Right. Like I think if you didn't have the model range, the concept of these horrid creatures that think they're noble is one of the more clever and um I think thought provoking uh uh, ideas that have come out of the fantasy line. And I think what I think made it feel dumb mm-hmm. maybe was because the model line didn't reflect yep. it enough. I, exactly. I, I think it's dumb yep. because of the physical manifestation of yep. it, not because it yep. was a bad idea to begin with. So. And so I think, I think you're right that the, and I think it caught people, like, I think it became um, one of the more beloved uh, storylines or like ideas, not, but, but models sell, <laughs> you yeah. know, the, 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 the kits. And so I think people liked the idea of it, but now we have, 
you know, more, we, we've gotten a few more art re, arch, re, we had the arch regent release and we got another guy sitting in a chair, which does he even appear in this? No, that was the Christmas model. Oh, okay. Christmas model. Um, uh, the endless bells, the arch regent. And then I think the Merrill scroll Herald were like the only new ones in age of Sigmar up until this point. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, we get a bunch of new kits that, that really start, uh, showing all of the corners of this idea. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree with you. Like it makes sense why it was like, Oh, we can't really play this out. It's a cool idea in our mind, but yeah, these are the models we have. Well, and well, to your point of, um, people who have been waiting for this, right? I think I'd be curious to know like how many folks just flat out won't get into this army because this, there's this who, who haven't been willing to get into this army historically because they're like, yeah, there's this very cool, storyline but maybe they can't even get past the model range right like maybe you never even get to learn about the chivalrous feudal whatever please like again if the models aren't there to draw you into eric's point in terms of that's what sells these things like you'll never take that extra step to learn too much more about them so now that we do have that entry point and like the visual language on the model i think is probably going to draw a lot more people yeah. into it so even if yeah. it wasn't an, an underperforming army before like i think this is the opportunity to change a lot yeah. of that, so. well and they never got rid of any of those models so some of those older not great looking models are still here but if you have like a hundred of those ghouls and then ushoran himself right there in the middle it suddenly looks great because yeah. he's such a cool model and like oh yeah they're the lesser ones and he's the main show uh but the only centerpieces like eric had said were old Terrorgeist and old dragons. Mm-hmm. So it didn't look that great. Yeah. Uh, it stood out more like how old everything was. We got cool heroes, mm-hmm. new hero models. Anybody of the, is there four new hero models? Uh, of those four, besides Usheron, uh, Gourmain, the Cardinal, the Royal Decapitator, the Gore Warden, any any faves? Well, and the courtier, the Vargolf, new hero too, right? Yeah, mm, the Vargolf, correct. Um, I love the Gore Warden. I I think the model's super cool, super evocative, with its weird spine, rib necklace, uh, and its keys. The narrative for it is that they are the protectors of the borders of the kingdom. Um, so it's. It's kind of fun looking at like these old medieval tropes, like the range, like the people who would be the rangers in the outlands and how that works with the ghouls. He's got the literal king's keys to the kingdom. He thinks it might just be like janitor keys. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea, but he's, he's out there on the outskirts. The shed that has the lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. um, he's out there protecting the, the borders and he thinks he's doing this noble thing sitting up and towers just watching over everything. Um, I like the idea that he's trying to sneak around, but those keys just jangling. <laughs> just jangling. That would be horrifying. <laughs> like you hear jangling keys above you. Like, what? <laughs> um, and it's cool because he has these great, beautiful wings. I just love the wings on all the flesh eater models. Um, but that's a sign of like his almost divinity, a great gift that was given because he is so almost pure of heart in a way. Um, but really he's a flying predator who will trash anyone who gets close to his territory. Aaron, do you have a favorite? Well, I like the Royal Decapitator conceptually, but I feel like they don't really lean in 
floor wise into what I would have expected, which is to say like the leap, like the head executioner, right? Like, or the headsman yeah. or, or something like that. Like that seemed pretty obvious. And maybe, maybe it's just not interesting enough, right? Like this guy just executes stuff, uh, things because like he, they, he's kind of shunned. And I guess maybe that's what you would, you would shun a headsman, but like, it, it doesn't seem as if that, I don't know, they are venerated isn't the word, but they aren't given the respect but that they deserve. Um, yeah. People like have hold them in contempt. Like they, they shun them away. They go make them uh, uh, be isolated from the rest of the uh, army. And, like I didn't get the impression that that's what headsmen's lives were in like real medieval armies, but maybe I don't know the first thing about being a headsman. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, uh, they go mad uh, in, in battle. Cause I think everybody goes mad in battle. Um, and they have like this, a particular violent streak uh but again they're all going violent so like it the lore didn't grab me as much as i thought the model uh sort of deserved yeah um uh the war scroll goes as hard as the model deserves yeah uh, i tell you what um this dude could one hit any god really yeah he, he has a rule that if he deals any wounds he rolls a die and has a one-third chance of just killing any hero oh jesus okay so, um, well, I guess, I mean, so like they, they lock on their targets, I guess, like as a headsman maybe does, right? Yeah. Like they call somebody out and be like, I'm taking that guy down and they just lope after them with their axe mm-hmm. that like hungers for death or something like that. He's a melee um, sniper. Yeah, I guess that's maybe one way to look at it. So. <laughs> Headshot. Yeah. One, one cool thing in the lore for them though, is like they have the headsman hood and if they ever fall in battle, another ghoul could just go crazy, just pick up the hood take over that personality, grab the axe and continue to roll. Exactly. That's cool. I didn't didn't know. Um, But I think in some ways this dude falls into the trap of in an army full of crazy, violent dudes, this guy's more crazy and more violent, which this is always the case of like, well, how do you make some, yeah, right. How do you turn it up to 11? Um, But I really like the model. Eric, what was, what was one of your favorite heroes? Um, I mean, I'll just I'll pick the the uh, the cardinal. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea that there's because uh, again, um, I think, and and maybe with Gourmet as well. Like nothing speaks to court or like signals or or, or symbolizes structure like religion and uh, legal systems. Like it yep. it just says, <laughs> hey, there there's some sort of like um, these are characters that they're playing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it um, even more so than the like ghoul kings and the regents, like in name, like these guys have costumes uh, that, you know, and same with the decapitator, like gives us some costumes that uh, that play in court. They're the the twisted version of what we might see in, um, you know, like the in uh, um, Cities of Sigmar, we've got, you know, that little hero cavalcade of, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. The spy master and the whatever, like this is sort of the the antithesis just, of that. Just as an aside, I wonder if that's going to be a theme that we're going to see, like like jobs within the army, right? Like there's two armies back to back where like there's a segment of like, here's like more so than battlefield roles, but like here here's a career that someone has. Yeah. Um, the the Iron Jaw's got a anvil guy, got a blacksmith. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, true. I, I do think we are going to see more of it because one of the, pieces of feedback they got for early age of Sigmar is like the joke, where are the farmers? Mm. And so they're trying to figure out like, well, how do we do these different roles in society that still sells plastic yeah, that, toys for that us? Fight. Yeah. Like, right. Um, like I, I need an accountant that fights, which 
we have like we have I'm, I'm, like code yeah. rights and people with yeah. scrolls and got, stuff like that. Like that's we got not common. Bone masons. Yeah. yeah. We got soul. What are the soul people that in uh, Ideneth who capture souls? Uh, soul reapers. Soul, soul reaper. reapers. Yeah. Yep. So like we've got a few of those where. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's like a. And like a directive. I wonder if GDOM is actually like, yeah, well, all right, we got to find a way to like integrate. Okay, that's some food for thought, really. Um, yeah. Or if it's just like some what the sculptors are vibing with is yeah, like, what if, oh, we talk about the Caradron code all the time. Like that's something they put in the lore. And now it's the lore inspiring them to create a model of a dude who cares about the code. Sure. Or they're like, all right, I, I'm a sculptor in real life. But what? But if I wasn't a sculptor, what, what kind of job would I have instead? Hmm. Combat um, librarian. Let's yeah, go. Legal, legalese. Um, so one of the things that they talk about, some of the new things they talk about. So the Morbeg Knights mm-hmm. are one of the new models, and it's a group of three. Um, uh, I think they're seventy-five mil base um, uh, cavalry. So there's three in a group, similar to Mornfang or um, the Pigs, um, that sort of thing, and. Uh, they sort of so Morbeg, they allude to is this uh, king of bats or this monstrous bat uh, deity maybe that um, that that was slain and so these are sort of the like there's not many of them left so like almost killed to extinction and so these are some of the, just the remains that have been uh, revived into service of the undead. Um, uh, so they're kind of bat-like, you know, uh, creatures. Um, but I kind of wish, and they do this some in these new things, but I kind of wish they'd leaned more into the bat um, visuals. So yeah. like the new Vargolf has sort of bat-like features without wings. The um, Gore Warden has bat-like features with wings. Um, these these riders, they're these mounts, uh, the shriekers, or is that what they're called? Um, uh, night, night shrieks, night shriekers, um, are bat like. I kind of wish the ghouls were taking on, or like all of these things as they're mutating or as they're um, changing in shape and, and whatever, had more bat like features. I like yeah. that aesthetic. Obviously, they can't do that with the old stuff, but with the new stuff, I think they're. The Vargais have sort of a more bat-like aesthetic compared to the crypt horrors. Um, I yeah. So I just think that's an aesthetic I would love to see more yeah. in this. Um, yeah. um, another cool thing about the Morbhegs is like their delusions is sometimes they see themselves as different things. Um but like Pegasus Knights is one example. Um, some people think that they're riding bugs which paul has already told me he's going to make an army of uh bug ghouls i wish he would uh, but okay right <laughs> you can't stop him <laughs> i tried it frankly <laughs> i know um but one example that is like there is a line of any similarities between the morbeg knights with the stormcast and the dragoneth are absurd <laughs> um and like they're copying those myths but then subverting them for themselves which is super well, and it's a classic ghoul move. And it's also supposed to mirror um, the relationship between Sigmar and Dracothian, I think, is also yeah. reflected in the relationship between Nagash and Morpeg, I guess. I mean, yeah. which is not entirely, I don't necessarily line up because I think that I was reading that Nagash and Morpeg like often butted heads, but eventually they like, maybe they could be seen as allies at some point. Morpeg being the 
um, the God Beast, Father of Bats, um, yeah. which another thing I like about Age of Sigmar is how there's always God Beast, the Father of blank, blank, blank. I think they really yeah, need right. to lean into that a bit more. Like there's the <laughs> Father of Lizards or, you know, Volcatrix of, of um, Magma Dross or whatever. Yeah. Um, just the fact that like there are these primeval ancient progenitors of like current races is fun. Yeah. Um, they need to do more of that. Uh, that's pretty neat. Um, one that I also want to call out and that like we talk about, I mean, the Vargolf is a sculpt that needed a replacement for the longest time. So everybody's yeah, real okay. excited to have it come back. I'm, I'm real excited to come back, but I don't know that I really dig its lore. I don't hate to be negative here again today, you guys, but like uh, the idea is that these Vargolf courtier, uh, courtiers um, are like basically like saints um, or like really, really holy um, warriors, paladins, perhaps. Um, and so like they're cloistered, they're kept away in sacred groves or what have you, or cloisters, I guess. Um, and they're only brought out at the dire's time of need. Uh, everybody like basks in this holy aura. Uh, but obviously you and I know that it's this bat-like creature. Nothing about that model says anything about like it reflects anything about like this saint like creature like it yeah if that's going to be the lore then i think you needed to do some connection like a lot of what we see the cool things about these new models that have come out is that connection between we see the delusion right or we can see what for a moment there we can see what they see like when it's like cardinal or what have you um but this has none of that now i understand that the idea is that they're replacing an old model and maybe they're hamstrung a little a little bit but they didn't have to be you can make whatever you want the sky's the limit my friends and so um that's kind of i think a misstep um and furthermore i don't even think that the bargolf should be part of this army in the first place but that's that's neither here nor there um (laughs) it's 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 too far afield to me it feels like it's more of a soul blight thing but um they didn't ask me though they should yeah i mean it's one of the five kits that they had and it was the old one uh i i do think so and you're right it needed to be replaced it does feel like my initial reaction was is too far removed from the original model Hmm. the absence of wings uh it was a a glaring like why does the gore warden have wings but the vargolf doesn't Mm -hmm. it has a rule that lets it move as if flying across terrain and stuff um and it's very it's it's very skinny instead of bulky uh it's very slinky and and like you know like yeah instead of being like a big big strong beast it looks more like a you know has yeah just spidery um so yeah i mean i think there's a little disappointment on my end from not seeing, you know, the, the furry snarly Vargolf with wings coming down in its hero stance, like three point landing, uh, you know, ready to, to, to attack. This one's more like crawling around the rocks and, you know, leaping like a jumping spider. Um, mm-hmm. so it is what it is, but yeah, I think I would have loved to seen something more dramatic with it. Will, can you save the Vargolf? Is there something we're not seeing? I, I don't know if I can like save it necessarily. I like the departure from the previous model because they needed to distance it from soul blight. Um, But I do agree that like it feels out of place because it's the one new model where we don't see the delusion reflected in it. Mm -hmm. It feels like how they wrote the lore for the old models, which is, well, we have this model. Let's just come up with a cool narrative for it. And if you can't see it in the model, it's because they're delusional. Mm-hmm. 
but everything else reflects their delusion like in some way because the truth of the Vargulf is they're not saints who have to be cloistered so they can meditate. They're feral monsters that are locked away in cages. Mm-hmm. And like the model reflects that part of it. Well, it's just a big monster. It hits things. The weird shape of its body is because it's supposed to be uncanny. You're not supposed to vibe with it, but they should have reflected that in yeah. the narrative or reflected the narrative in the model or met in the middle just a little bit more than they did. Yeah, exactly. Like, an, like, a, like a pauldron on it or, yeah. you know, some sort of... Um, yeah, or it was like bedecked to, in saintly artifacts or something, but and we know yeah, that it's you yeah, know yeah. awful or something like that, or, or like, like that even, idea. or like a, a halo, or I mean, I, not, a halo seems a little on the nose, but some some other like what what makes that thing holy? Um, yeah, is I agree. One way to look at it. Um, keep them coming. Um, one I liked. It's actually an old model, um, old unit, but we haven't talked about them before. Sure, is the All new to me. flayers. Uh, and the reason I mentioned the Crypt Flayers is because even though the model is old, they do change their lore a little bit. Uh, in the past, they were like winged knights on winged steeds and Pegasus knights were like one of the examples of how they saw themselves. It's like, oh, I think I'm a knight riding a winged horse, but really I'm a winged monster. Mm-hmm. But with the Morbheg knights taking that mounted option the Crypt Flare narrative has changed where they are now these angelic beings yeah. blessed by Ushorin, and that's why they have wings, and that's why they're flying in. And I think that is better, because, like, you Way can better. be delusional, but thinking that you're a tiny guy riding a winged horse when you're actually a big <laughs> monster, it, it's, like, one step farther. Like, mm. you, you never realize you never get off the horse. <laughs> Always <laughs> threw me for a loop. So now it's changing where they are these divine creatures. And I like that a bit more because it's adding in that um, religious motif that the Cardinals are pulling on because like death as a grand alliance, you know, all worship Nagash, all is Nagash, Nagash is all, but we have not actually had priests or religion come into the faction at all. Mm-hmm. And here we're finally seeing that. Yeah. Yep. That is pretty cool. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and this is a case of, although we don't, like, it's not a new model, although we don't see the visual design cues, that's, to your point, so very much closer to a, a thing that we know. We can draw the lines between where these where the wings go, and so, like, that all makes sense. Um, great example of even if you don't have bits on it that make it seem like it's a court yeah. thing, you can still tell that story pretty clearly. They, they changed the narrative a little bit to match the model, which yeah. they could have done better with the Barkle. Sure, also true. I still don't love that that kit, is like pulled into like four different no. fighter profiles. Don't care for it. Like, just got rid like, of it. Like, and the, maybe they the were infernal book. court. The courtiers. I, I don't think we needed them anymore. Yeah, but they, yeah, I agree. I think it's hard to go backwards once you've given people something. Because in order to run it, I need to buy multiple boxes because I need one for the unit and then one for the hero. Because a lot of armies that do that, where you can pull one model, it's like there's a special rule where you can take the other one with less models. So Storm Drake Guard. Yeah. One of those can be the Knight Draconis, but then you're stuck with a spare one. There's a rule where you can just run that spare one solo. They don't have that for this. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it just makes it annoying if you are collecting this army that you just need to buy an entire 
three model kit for one model. Sure. One day. I mean, either they'll scrap it or they'll make a model for the thing. Um, right. So more to come, I'm sure. Again, AOS infinite timeline. It's going to last forever. So yeah. uh, in, monkeys on infinite typewriters, this, this stuff will all come to pass. <laughs> um, any other favorites that you guys want to talk about? Keep them coming. Did we talk about all the no. new stuff? Uh, we got a new crypt guard, which oh, are there you go. Uh, ghouls with be- better weapons. Um, I actually, because they're so similar, sometimes I didn't notice whether it was the crypt guard or the other. And you can get them with uh, like halberds or two-handed weapons, or you can do them with, I think, swords. Um, so that's kind of cool. I don't think the I don't think the fighter scroll changes depending on what you put with nope. them. It's the same. Oh, really? Oh. Okay. Oh. So I'm like, I would recommend just doing halberds because it makes them look more different than the standard ghouls. Sure. And you need to visually stand out. Um, I remember people were thinking, are these like either a, the replacements for the ghouls or are they like upgrade sprues or something for the ghouls? And it, it turns out, and actually this is a question, this is my ham-fisted way of getting to this question by Fredericks. Uh, they ask, I suppose the old naked ghouls are still core are still the core of the army. That's true. They are. These uh, Crypt Guard are just, I think, uh, I think Grave Guard for skeletons or Storm Vermin for clan rats, just like a souped up, um, so Storm Vermin on the armored ones, right? Um, yeah. So just so. a souped, I think Warhammer Fantasy did this a lot, right? Where there's like your, your rank and file and then there's the better rank and file. Like, uh, what is the, um, what's the Beastman one? Uh, Oh, the ungores, and then you have the gores, and then oh, yeah, you have and then, there, and then there's the better gore. gore. Yeah, best of gore. That's what I was looking for. Right? Yeah. There's always the there's, elite version of the uh, those guys. Go ahead. Here's the part that will annoy you, hundred percent. Don't. Uh, every other uh, unit in the range that has the word crypt in it, the word that follows crypt is a separate word that's capitalized, except with crypt guard. Why would you tell me that? <laughs> Why would you do that? So crypt flares, flares is separated. Crypt horrors, crypt gas, crypt haunter, crypt infernal, all have a sec. That second word is capitalized in space. Crypt guard is the only one that is compounded. Who is their editor? Oh Who is the God. monster here? <laughs> Not Usheron. <laughs> That's terrible. That's just downright terrible. <laughs> That's the worst. Heinous. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do this uh, anymore. <laughs> to mention, uh, in terms of kind of that mix of lore and um, rules, we have four houses. Is that what it's called? Houses? Uh, the courts. Courts. Sorry. Duh. Courts. Four courts. I think that's what they're called. All right. Four courts in a gallon. Yeah, you got it. Hey. Yeah, that's the grand cool. courts. While you're pulling them up, if we're going to make that transition, good way to do it. Um, question about them. Uh, listen to the show. Uh, Ad Macri- Macrichi. That's got to be it, right? Ad Macrichi? Ad Macrichi. Is it, I thought it was Abercrombie. Critchy. Have I been misreading this name this whole time? Uh, it's hard to it's hard to read it right, I think, uh, yeah. frankly. But uh, they ask, uh, are there any new f- sub-factions, or is it still the ones from the previous battle tome? I have no idea. Hey, Will, are those the same factions from the previous book? You know it. Nice. Uh, right. No, nothing new added. All right, cool. I, I don't know if, and furthermore, I don't know if the lore changes all that much. We may not know at all. Um, but Eric, did that buy you enough time um, to get to what you were looking for? 
Yeah, I was just going to look for these four because I hadn't seen them before. Oh, I see. Or I hadn't spent, again, haven't spent much time in the previous Flesh Eater Court book. First time. So we got the Morgaunt, the Hollow Morn, the Blister Skin, and the Gristlegore. Sure. That's them. Uh, I'm going to call dibs on the Hollow Morn, but did you guys have any favorites that you wanted to talk about? Uh, the Gristlegore were once pacifists, seeking unity with their savage, gurish homelands. The nobles of the court still believe they pursue these virtuous ideals, even as they ride into battle astride hideous undead mon- monstrosities, tearing apart all who stand before them in truly awe-inspiring displays. Are you going to read the whole thing? <laughs> it, was just, it was just quick. It was one paragraph. Okay. Uh, you don't have to. Sure. You don't have to I, do I, what I, I do, even though it's way to. entertaining. Sure. Super more entertaining. Hey, hey, well, what was your favorite one? Uh, it's going to be the blister skin, which is the more religious of the sub-factions. Because uh, what happened in Akshi, uh, there are these cults that worshipped fire, so they would burn their crops and offerings, but then they no longer had crops. So then they would burn their own people as offerings and sacrifices, and they started running out of those, and they started burning themselves. And the smells attracted these ghoul kings, <laughs> Um, and crypt players that came out and were like, hey, that's pretty neat. Do you guys want to join us instead and worship our god, the Summer King? That's like hot fire, right? Hot fire. And now they're just like this. They're, they are like the religious zealot faction mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. of this. And I just think it's neat that they – another entire culture that got subsumed because they devolved as much as they could and then just like – a ghoul king wearing a shirt. It's like that scene from 30 Rock. Like, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> Come join us. This is going to be great. Great idea. Uh, my one problem with that is the fact that they lived in Ashy, but they worshipped the Hish, right? Is that what it was? Um, or is it the other yeah. one? Or something like that. The point is, is, it doesn't have to be that clunky. Like, do, you, you could just make them worship fire. It doesn't, why do you have to make it hard? Like, don't make it, there's too many steps. Make it simple. Yeah. Or like, maybe not simple, but like efficient in terms of like what you're delivering. Like you don't need to just throw extra things at it Too come over design too complicated. Some, um, go ahead. Sometimes, uh, um, conspiracy theories require a little bit of complexity. Sure. Well, that's <laughs> the, the bug, not a feature. Um, so, uh, the one I'll talk about is I'll talk about the hollow morn, um, who were knights in like the age of myth. Um, and then when the age of, chaos rolled around they were tasked then to find uh, artifacts that were hidden i guess to repel chaos um problem is they failed did not succeed uh they went crazy for their loss or for their failure um and in doing so they started eating all sorts of stuff they shouldn't eat um at at one point they started they had to eat their serfs or their squires which was fine that's actually not a big deal that's that (laughs) it's just a tuesday um but the problem happened when they actually then had to eat their horses and that was a bridge too far they crossed the line yeah and that's when they really devolved um into madness um and then uh yeah, another case of aberrants catching wind of these wind of these guys, um, turning them to them to their side. And then now in the present day, they are tasked with a few things, whether or not they need to go find those artifacts that they were still searching for, or if they're just gonna pledge their fealty in the gash and are gonna um, you know, follow their liege wherever they lead. Um that's the story there. Uh to wrap this all up, I guess, does anybody want to talk about the Morgant or they're, they're just the poster child ones? They're just the regular ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's your uh, Hammers of Sigmar fashion for um, <laughs> these guys. 
But uh, Chris Ling, patron of the show, thank you, Chris Ling. They asked, is there enough depth to the differences between the sub-factions? And they also asked which sub-factions stand out as particularly cool. We talked about them. But do you think they are different enough? I think most of them are, except for the Morgant and the Hallomorn. Uh, because one is a faction of nobles mm-hmm. who are chivalrous versus the other one, which is a faction of chivalrous nobles <laughs> <laughs> well, you just said uh, it right there you're completely yeah. different opposite ends of the spectrum um, for for some of them so for instance gristle gore uh gets more gets terrorgeist's battle line so yep. more monster driven what's battle uh, line uh, I don't know. We don't have that in Path of Glory. Uh, the Crypt Guard are battle line in a Morgaunt, the, that main army. Crypt Horrors uh, are battle line in a Hollowmorn, and Crypt Flayers are battle line in a Blisterkin. So there's some, like, you know, monsters over here, flying, uh, hulking things over there, you know, um, a little more uh, specialized ghouls that can carry better weapons over there. So there's a little bit of that that can play out in the army that you build. I think they're different enough, I suppose. But one of my favorite sub-factions or groupings of sub-factions, even sort of taken collectively, is where they are, they take a hallmark of the faction and they really exemplify it in a very clear, obvious way. Um, In that, like, these factions however 24 25 of them they're all multifaceted right and i don't i know it's not easy to always break them down into their component parts but when you can do so and sort of communicate that effectively in a sub faction and really highlight this is you know um, a feature of these um, factions and make them clear and distinct and illustrative um, i think that's the best use case for these sub factions and i think this one Less than maybe maybe even less than average, frankly. I don't know that the yeah. flesh eater courts have enough uh, component Groupings. parts to break it down to. Yeah, gr- there's not enough granularity to its components that it's yeah. easily broken down into four. And maybe you would say, well, that's a good thing. Maybe like there's there's simplicity. A, yeah, and I was just talking about simplicity, right? Like, but I don't know. Maybe I'm dumb and I like you know the C or well, no, this is uh, Lumineth. Oh, this is this is the the twin faction, right? Because they're all about like the duality of stuff. Anyways, yeah. um, maybe I'm a simple man with simple taste. No, I think, and I think overall this army still ha- still has some issues with dividing up, like an arch regent versus a ghoul king. What's there okay. shouldn't really be a difference there. Mm-hmm. Arch regent doesn't seem more important than ghoul king, although in one of the descriptions they're the they're kind of the same but um and and we talked about the courtiers like it's just a little bit too much of mm-hmm. is it is it does that need to be a separate thing or sure. could it have been something completely different um so distinctions without differences which is a phrase mm-hmm. i don't need to use nearly enough um well and like to the point we just don't have the granularity because it was only four boxes mm-hmm. like we we had four sub factions one for each box sure yeah it's like a charnel pit and you're trying to just figure out if that's a a rib or a femur it's hard to know <laughs> right it's just like that it's a a situation we've all been in that's i was trying to think how i get the words <laughs> out that's exactly what i'm getting at um all right cool 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 other sub faction thoughts no like i i just feel like Blisterkin and Gristlegore are neat because they stand out a bit more because they are based more on like what they used to be, which was this one was a cult of fire and then one was a kingdom of peace. And I think those two 
do kind of stand out, but that's only half of the faction. Mm-hmm. And the other two just kind of blend together and they both feel like if you had told me one of them is the default, I would believe either one because they're too similar. Yeah, true. True. Um, I like that they do um, sink their teeth further into this delusion <laughs> and uh, that as an army that they it does lend itself to more conversion and storytelling etc um it when i started creating my um flesh eater court you know war band or whatever um i wanted them to be pirates and i felt like more than you know like you could take soul blight and make them be pirates fully within the range uh the um the new cities of Sigmar, maybe less so like you could certainly put them on a boat and have, you know, fusiliers, but you know, whatever, like, but these guys, you can really say like, Hey, what in within a kingdom, what are some different groups? And can you put somebody in charge? You know, who's the person in charge? Like any kind of hierarchical like structure, you can put these guys in and it will be like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, yeah. you, you could make them cooks in a kitchen. Um, you know, this is a, this is a, um, catering party uh, and they come to different venues to throw throw a party and you are the main course <laughs> you know so you could do a lot with these guys yeah true um, alright we can talk about some special characters I think we've talked about Ushuram quite a bit however I talked some questions about the the guy down here from Darth Alec he wants to know a little bit more um, and so let's just we'll, just, we'll ask him real quick um, First one was how explicit is the Summer King Ushuron connection? As explicit as it gets, because that's who he is. So yep. uh, and that's been known since second edition. It's just if you're a loyal listener of the show, you wouldn't know that. <laughs> nope. We didn't have one yet. Seemed uh, seemed <laughs> um, new to me. Um, which it was a fun reveal. I guess that's a yeah. question later too. Like, <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat. Who could this guy be? Um so uh even lore podcasters are kept in the dark sometimes. Um, but then he also continues, uh, is the Summer King crazier or saner than his faction? Yes. Equal? <laughs> or, 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 yeah, whatever the plot needs him to be, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> here's, here's what I say, like, imagining you're a court, not crazy enough for this guy. He, right. <laughs> like, what he imagines he's capable of. Uh, and then uh, uh, on the flip, um, what he's actually able to impact the realm probably within the raw like within reason of yeah. his delusion yeah are you crazy if you're right um so <laughs> there's that uh but another uh special character that we've been sorry special character uh that we haven't talked to we mentioned by name but not, not necessarily his deal um is the grand justice gourmet and question about this individual which is by no means his most important subject or top or uh, character trait, but it's worth mentioning. Um, Fat Crab wanted to know, uh, it would be cool to get a dive into flesh eater courts that are at least partially aware of their delusion and still functional, if any. Well, okay. Here, here we've got an example. Who wants to tell me about uh, Grand Justice Gourmet? Uh, yeah, I'll take it. So Grand Justice Gourmet uh, was actually formerly a criminal no. uh, while he was a ghoul. And they locked him up in prison, but he's partially sane. Um, And the way they found out about this is because they locked him up in a prison, 
But on the walls were just like directions of how to get out of prison. Just no one else was sane enough to be able to read them. And it says in like a rare moment of clarity, Shorn realized like, oh, this guy can do things that other ghouls can't do. So he should be in charge of like the laws and interpreting the ancient texts. But I just love the book portrays it as he has this amazing skill. He can decipher the ancient texts, but really he's the only ghoul who knows how to read. And, <laughs> and that's kill, what makes him kind of special. He kills people if the salad fork is on the wrong side of the plate. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that is he is making up for the fact that he's not as crazy as the ghouls. He does not want to be too lenient and have them realize he's not like everyone else and kill him. So he goes harder than a ghoul may possibly have gone to make up for the fact that he's not crazy enough. Which makes him, in my book, the worst flesh eater court in terms of moral morality anyways, because at least yeah. everybody else is like out of their minds. Right. And just completely. And they think they're doing their, they, they're coming from, a, from a good place. Yeah. This guy is lit, d- enacting evils upon the world just so that he can save his own skin. Like he knows to some degree, I don't know where that line is drawn on the spectrum, but like knows what he's doing and he's doing it anyways. Um, that's messed up, but yeah. I love it. He's like, if I do this thing, it's bad. So I need to go worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is he any less trapped if he knows he's trapped? Uh, that's the question. I mean, he could also give himself up. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't matter. Or he could just run yeah. away. I I, These guys have wings. He doesn't have wings. And have you seen the silly outfit? He can't run in that thing. Well, I was going to um, say the the outfit's the best part. Yeah. Because he wants to sh- look like he's like everyone else. So when a ghoul or an abhorrent or anyone questions his loyalty, as in questioning his sanity. He will take their guts and put them on his head like a wig. <laughs> and as his model, the wig goes like all the way down because he has just been collecting. I mean, intestines are pretty, pretty big. Yeah. Pretty um, big. It's just funny. Like This is their version of like the witch hunters, but mm. in reverse. Mm. They're rooting out sane people and he does not want to get caught. <laughs> Uh, but this is a great example of them using the visual language of yep. like if of diving into his delusion, but making it you know reflected uh, on his model. So mm-hmm. very well executed, if if not incredibly unsettling. Um, yes. Other gourmet thoughts? Uh, not any that are germane. <laughs> I, hey. I thought that. Well, what threw me off is I saw Gourmet and I thought they were going for Gourmand and that yeah. he was going to be a chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. And he is decidedly not. Nope, not even He's a little bit. cooking up a trial. Hey. Um, all right. A uh, couple more questions. I couldn't find a good place to put them elsewhere in the show, but I'll ask them generally real quick, but they're kind of broad. Rapid right fire, lightning round. Well, team, they're, team, not super, yeah. they're kind of broader, but let's go. Um, <laughs> nervous. Uh, they ask. Uh, do the kingdoms themselves feel more organic and fleshed out as human high fantasy one with peasants and knights now that the models reflect the theme more directly and are playing catch up? Actually, we kind of already talked about that. I think so. Do you guys think yeah. they feel more organic? All right. I'm getting some head nods. I'm getting some yeah, yes. Well, yeah, I would say it's interesting because like um, I don't think the moral realms lend themselves to the low fantasies. Like, yes, you set up a camp. Yes, you chop some wood. And then, um, you know, a big uh, bunch of zinch nerglings run through and burn you down right like it's not your encampment's not long for this world your kingdom's not long for this world um 
But in a world like that, what better escapism is there than to imagine like a medieval, chill, like rules, things are normal, you know, kind of thing. And so I think it's an interest. I think it's a very cool seed inside the realm that 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 low fantasy exists, like the old world exists in the mind of the craziest people yeah. Yeah. in the realms. Yeah, it's a classic. If you wanted Bretonians, but hey, all you Bretonian players are said that Bretonians are gone. Well, we got your army. It's right here. Um, I am going to go against that just a little bit, uh, just because I feel like they stand out a bit more than just Bretonian. Like not what you said, Eric. Just the connection to Bretonians, because especially with Burn Aaron, yeah, Burn Aaron. Just because with the connection with Gormain with his wig, and then they have like Shakespeare lines at the beginning of the book. They're going for like a parody of Victorian. Oh, uh, English okay. in a way, because sure. um, I do think connecting them to Bretonia just makes them like, oh, they're just knockoff Bretonia when they're weirder than that. Here's the deal. I'm going to cut my thing, but I'm also no. cutting your thing, though, too. Um, <laughs> all right. So you think uh, uh, so they're more like this, like three musketeers kind of like musketeer knights as opposed to uh, uh, looking the, for a history lesson yeah. on my Mortal Realms yeah. podcast. Um, um, but, but Minervus continues. Uh, they ask, oh, I'm sorry. Was it making me Minervus. I was just going to say, I do feel like they're very organic because all their food is free range. Mm-hmm. Also true. Um, Minervus continues by asking, uh, the recent fiction implies that flesh eater courts are essential to more plot development. And is this reflected in the tome? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit before in that we think that Dawnbringers, obviously they're going to have some play in terms of the plot of what yeah. goes on in Dawnbringers. Uh, I think the grand reveal probably should have maybe came in that book first. Yeah. Um, but yes. Well, I, I feel like it's incomplete yeah. without, depending on Dawnbringers. Mm-hmm. Dawnbringers comes out, they take front stage. Yes. But if you only have this book before Dawnbringers comes out, I'm less convinced. Sure. Okay. I buy that. Neferata's got plans. Yes. For these guys. So I think they're essential to her plans. Um, and like, yeah, they're going to, they're going to let, they're going to somehow let them out as part of something. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Uh, and finally, they continue, has uh, the more central role of the Flesh Eater Court's place in the narrative, um, where they've previously felt like one of the most peripheral fractions at the moment, means that the lore has been expanded to make them retroactively more important. No, I don't think so. I don't think this, I don't think this replaces previous lore. Um, or not replaces, but like it doesn't fluff it up. I think they always were kind of peripheral. And I think after whatever happens in Dombrayer, they're going to be peripheral again, would be, would yeah, be my probably. guess. Um, um, I do like that it doesn't retroactively change anything because like too often we'll get a new book or a brand new army and it's like, they've been here the whole time and they've been doing all this cool stuff. And for ghouls, it's like, no, they've literally just kind of been sitting around waiting for Ushorin to show up. They have not done anything important up until this point. Sure, until until the, role, the realms comes to them. It's not like they haven't existed. Yeah, it's just right. that like they, they are reactionary as opposed to proactive. Um, yeah. I, think, I think they're similar to Skaven in that effect, that they can pop up anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they sort of, they live in the nooks and the crannies. And so if you need a dark, if you need something to come out of a dark cranny, it could be a rat or it could be a, a, a flesh eater, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I think they just fit in that space. They're yeah. better as supporting, uh, peripheral, um, than they are as, I mean, uh, the only caveat would be that if there's something told from with like first person from within the delusion, right. Then they're. Then they're the you know main character, but otherwise they are 
not. Yeah, like an NPC faction almost. Mm-hmm. Um, Cake Latte, I don't know if that's how you say that, but let's um, pretend. It is. Cake Latte, member of the FPC gang, dab. Yeah. Uh, they ask, regarding the new Battletoads story, does the build-up to the Carrion Summer Kings reveal feel like it is paid off? And if so, what repercussions does this renewed presence on the realms have on the courts at large? Are they slowly unifying or splitting apart? Are they affected at all? Um, first, do you think it pays off? Not without Dawnbringers. Yep. I think it's um, back to the same answer. We needed yeah. Dawnbringer. Book. Page one is Ushran has been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. So there's the, within the battle tome, there's not a buildup. It is boom. Yeah. Ushran is here. Yeah. Um, and I think the buildup broadly has been fun, but like once we put the pieces together before this book dropped, like that it was going to be Ushran with the Summer King, like what, once I, I learned what Summer King was not too long ago, I think then. So like I was. I was hooked up until this point, but like this book wasn't the, the, uh, the, you know, the, yeah. the culmination point. will be Dawnbringers four Cause like he's on the front cover, like he's going to do something. Sure. And this book, like the, this battle tome is in a weird spot because it's like, he's back. What does he do? Find out next time. Find out. <laughs> I, you know what it's going to be. And, and it, it won't happen until like next and the next spring. It'll be a uh, ghoul boy summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or ghoul, um, ghoul, ghoul, hot ghoul summer. Yeah, hot ghoul summer. <laughs> That's, there you go. <laughs> Try to. It's much better. Um, uh, do we think what repercussions does a renewed presence on the realm have on the courts at large? So that's a good question. Maybe not know what plot wise, but is it going to unify them? Can it be? Can it unify them? What will its effect beyond the lar- larger faction? I th- I think the signal increases, right? Whatever that core story is of Usheron and that court that gets like echoed in these other ones in bits and pieces, feels like that should like that signal gets brighter and and these everybody f- kind of falls into a greater court, falls into a you know there could be two of the Beast Flayer guys next to each other and they were like that's fine. There's no dissonance here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they all playing their role as if they're they're part of a, a single entity sure yeah i i do think they give themselves the freedom for like splinter groups and everything just with how the courts see uh nagash um sure. because they do say like some of them are taking this uh, war of red errantry or the cannibal crusades as a chance of revenge against the other forces of death that bullied them and so i wonder because even in they, they expanded upon the Broken Realm story with the ghouls and the Osiarch fight where that court was splintered. Some of the ghouls worked with the Osiarch and some of the ghouls became outlaws and outcasts. So I think we're going to see this weird schism where it's like, well, we love Ushorin because he likes Nagash. Well, we love Ushorin because he could stand up to Nagash and there may be some infighting. True. They all kind of love him, but their relationship to the rest of death as a whole is kind of like, the friction mm-hmm. between these courts as far as the book is um, saying. All right. Cool. 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 Uh, in that case, I'll ask you guys, do you have any other points you want to get across? Other thoughts? Free range. I mean, if, if you're an outcast, I am, if you don't have any other place to sure. call home or friends. That's me. Uh, there's a flesh eater court out there. Ready to welcome you in. That's what I've been trying to say. Place, a spot in the society, uh, a job to do, <laughs> to 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 better the kingdom. 
Uh, and if you serve them faithfully, you will get more than scraps. You'll get to feast. There's a spot on the table for you. <laughs> Wait, I, but did you, I think you said, you said on is what mm-hmm. you said. Okay, what? I said whatever you think I said. <laughs> um, all right. Did you guys have any Black Library examples uh, of stories from Black Library? That's what I mean by Black Library examples. Uh, for those listeners who are really into Flesh Eater Courts and they want to read more about them, um, does anybody, do y'all got any good ones? Any recommendations? Yeah. Uh, there's Red Knight by Miles A. Drake, which is in the Inferno Collection, which I definitely read earlier than today when we asked the Discord um, for recommendations. Uh, but it's a really good story about a noble warrior um, trying to take over another kingdom so that they would join uh, under his king like he had done before. Uh, but they do some weird magic on him. He looks in a mirror, sees himself as a mon- Like, you know, it's weird. Um, I don't even know how it's connected to the flesh eaters. Uh, <laughs> just a great a good story. Yeah. From that, like you said, like from their point of view, they're the main characters and the story is the pinnacle of that. That's cool. Uh, Mousy Drake wrote another story, um, Claws of Famine, uh, which is a short story in the Dire Chasm compilation from the vantage point of the Warhammer Underworlds flesh eater court cracking something something um but i remember that was a a standout from that compilation it was particularly good about a uh yes just a a a servant of the court um who is having weird uh, delusions and and having and and seeing things that aren't there and uh um, them coming to terms with that again yes another flesh eater court led story um other recommendations that you guys want to make um i don't read books (laughs) Can't. It's fair. <laughs> and won't. Uh, yeah, just another one is Ghoul Slayer by Darius Hanks. It's a Gortrek uh, novel um, where the main bad guys are obviously ghouls. And you get some point of view shots from their perspective um, and kind of their motivations. And it just does the cool thing the Black Library can do, which is explore different aspects of factions that you're not going to find in a battle tome. You're going to have, it's a loving relationship between a King and his queen and their story about trying to create a family and the, you know, issues they're having that they don't know it's because they're, you know, ghouls. Um, uh, It's just, it's really neat. And like how that is explored and then, how the delusion plays itself out, how you could go from being on a battlefield to immediately being at a feasting table in your mind to explain what they're doing. That's fun. Um, I know that those uh, Hinks got your books very well received. Um, And the only other one I'd recommend, not even necessarily because it's a flesh of your court book specifically, but Lady of Sorrows by C.L. Werner, because there's a character in this story that I don't know if it's explicitly named as a ghoul, but a very ghoul-like individual is the supporting character. And it's an example of this, type of thing uh working alongside um your run-of-the-mill human protagonists and um i thought it was interesting i've never seen a character like this before and we were talking about like do they practice do ghouls practice diplomacy this it's not diplomacy here but it's it's them working alongside um what you and i would consider regular people uh so it's unique different perspective on ghoul or ghoul-like things and so i thought that was interesting set set in shyish um so yeah, uh, any other Black Library recommendations that I that we have missed? All right, cool and great. All right, we're getting close to the end. I just the only other question I have for you guys is, what do you think of this book? Hey, Will, I'll start with you. Um, give me a little review. What'd you think? 
Um, I like I really enjoyed it. Part of that is always going to be tied up in the fact that I just love this faction as a whole. I feel like this book found ways to embrace that narrative of delusions, like the the scholar who's like interspersed throughout. I do feel like the book itself is kind of incomplete because they wrote it knowing Dawnbringers was coming and some of the story is going to take place there. And I dislike that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I want I want everything bundled together so yeah. I can just buy one book and read it. Um, but besides like that, I feel like it is really well done. It just it's going to say flushes out, but I feel like we've already said it twice. Okay. Um, it fills out the faction. It fills out the narrative. It doesn't, I mean, other than Ushorn coming back, we don't get forward momentum, but it's an overlooked faction that is coming back into the, the mainstream. And mm-hmm. for that, I'm going to give it three out of four grand courts. Oh, we got to give it ratings. I forgot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> three and a half out of four. I was trying to do a whole number and not fractions. I just couldn't think of anything bigger than four. Sure. Sure. I get that. Uh, cool. Hey, Eric, what, uh, what do you think is about them? Um, I think to, I'll just build off of that in that it spent the pages within this battle tome solidifying these guys in the past um, because they'd sort of just pointed at a few things and, and expected you to read between the lines, right? So they're sort of going back and saying, Usharan was here, Usharan was there, Usharan's important. Um, uh, so... Um, which I think that, you know, again, you've got a new model, you've got this new thing. And so spending the time with that is interesting. And I think, you know, et cetera, but yeah, timing wise, all of the forward momentum is going to be in the next one. Um, absolutely think that they did the best work in like the Cardinal and the Gristle, Gristle main, Gourmet, uh, with the costumes, having the accoutrement to show them that they are uh, playing these parts, I think is the, is the best version of these uh, and, and needing to see more of that in like the Vargulf. And uh, you know, we, we get enough of that, I think in the Gore Warden, but you know, seeing more of that um, because that's the thing that sets them apart the most from um, the, uh, cruel boys like there's some similar motifs mm-hmm. of bones and leathers and that sort of stuff that i think uh that this kind of uh, helps set them apart and um you know there's still if there's still some confusion in the line but i really enjoyed seeing usharan come into the picture i love the new models i love uh so i will give it um um Let's see. I don't have a rating system. I will give it t- two out of three more big nights. Okay, that's what I'm painting. Sure, All right. You know what? No, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give it uh, five out of six. Let's go two two units. Okay, okay. reinforced two, two units. Yeah, Gotta reinforce it. Um, to oh god, well you had said something, and I'm like, oh, I want to touch on the thing that you said. And I can't remember for the life of me what you had said that I wanted. Book feeling incomplete. Okay. I love the faction. Uh, okay. So anyways, what did I think of um, this one? It, I agree. Actually, I'll build off the incomplete thing. I do agree that it feels incomplete. And I can't tell if it's a, 
um, because of the fact that it's like the third book that still had, it's almost, it, it's both the third book, but also felt like it was starting from scratch, but it didn't have all the things that it needed to start from scratch too. And now maybe yeah. that's because Aaron, you didn't read the first two books. If you come in the third in the series, of course, you're going to be missing something, but I don't get that with the head shake that I'm getting. I don't get the impression that that's the case. I think the first two are probably just placeholders because they weren't ready for the, the thing yet. Here's this cool idea, but we don't have a really a place for the, in the moral realms for these guys. Um, and now this is their debut some might say, or it feels like it is, and it just happens to be, it's also the first one that I've read too. Um, however, if that's the case, I needed a, kind of a thicker book a little bit. Like there's more to be pulled um, that isn't in here. And I don't even necessarily mean, oh, I remember the thing that you were talking about. I don't even necessarily need forward momentum on it. Uh, to your point about like, oh, I like there now, there's there's plot developments, Usharan's here, like uh, you wanted all of that new stuff to be baked into this battle tome. I think you and I both know that that's not what battle tomes are for, right? The battle tome needed to stand by itself for someone who wanted to play the faction independent of where we are in John Breakers, which is tricky because it's so very clearly tied to the story. If Usheron's going to come back and here's the why, they're, they're integral linked, but like, think a year from now, think two years from now, this battle tome needed to be its own thing. Again, not so wrapped up. Like, someone who just picks it up off the shelf. I'm interested in Flesh Eater Courts. They're not going to pick up Dawnbringers. They're going to pick up this battle tome so it, it in a very unique position that but battle tomes don't often find themselves in and having to be like placed in a, in a plot catching a lot of stuff up and this one more so than most in that like it's plugging holes in a very holy faction um a very swiss cheesy kind of faction there's a lot of g g spots in it so i can't hold a lot of that against it because the next one and the next one won't have these same problems right and like it, yeah it's, right it's, it, it's and in fact, no army will probably ever have this problem again, right? Like this is this is a unique situation for a battle tome to find itself in. Um, and so because of that, I it it's interesting. And I think the good parts are good and the bad parts I'll just forget until the next time we get, not the bad parts, but the lacking parts I'll just forget we're lacking until the next one comes around. Um, and I think even if it doesn't give me the most solid ground to stand on because of those holes, it's it's solid enough. It's a good jumping off point that like now I have a pretty good idea of what the flesh eater courts were. If I didn't before, I think I do now. And that, frankly, that's what a battle tone is supposed to do. It's supposed to give you a pretty good idea of what the faction is, and then we can go from here. So all that to say, um, this is my second favorite type of battle tome um, after brand new army battle tomes, like those battle tomes that add a lot more to fleshing out again of the lore add a lot of stuff to it it's these army box level um battle tomes uh, are some are some of my favorites and so because of that it gets all sorts of great marks because that's what this is um and in fact this at it should be the very least what a battle tome does uh, which it probably won't always be the case um all that to say what did i think about it i had all this time to think about a rating you guys were literally talking i could have ignored you and thought of a rating system um i will do um, I'll give it an, a seven out of nine more Tarks, despite the fact that ah. we don't have nine more Tarks currently, um, yet, uh, though I imagine we will one day. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm for it. It's pretty good. Um, maybe even seven and a half. It's, it's uh, seven and then one of, uh, Usheron's multiple personalities. Um, Boom. so there you go. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Any other thoughts before we wrap her up? Um, not even necessarily about this book, but just your comment about army box level battle tomes. Mm -hmm. If we're 
if we go back a year, a year, and then also include Slaves of Darkness, which came out around the same time. Sure. We've had four of them and an entire narrative series, like with Dawnbringers. That's a good year. <laughs> Where the Great. previous year we had like none. Yeah, of exactly. This level in quality. I have. Wait, is it. Oh, is it four army boxes or four total army boxes? Four. Well, I was just thinking because we've had like Slaves of Darkness, which was an overhaul. We had Seraphon, which had a lot cities. more. Oh, yeah, it is four. Okay. Cities. And then this. Like, it's sure. been a good year for overhauling factions. And then the story with uh, the Dawnbreaker books. Yeah. Coming out. Well, I think it's the best of both worlds in that, like, every faction. Like, this is the, if we're gonna, I'm going to cut all of this probably out of the episode, but just as yeah, a right. party thoughts. Um, one of the problems with Warhammer Fantasy was the fact that you'd go years before your army was ever touched again. Well, now that mm-hmm. they're making sure that every edition, every book gets touched. But at the same time, they're still making, at least this year, was a series of releases that were like the Warhammer Fantasy releases, which were big releases, right? Like every time a new yeah. army got hit, dropped in eighth, like you got a bunch of stuff with it. So like this does both. Every army got their little book, but then like they saved big, re- like they still had big releases, you know, four times a year mm-hmm. or almost four times a year. Anyway, so yeah. it's cool that they were able to do both those things with the ramped up production time very cool um any other parting thoughts and in that case it's time for our reforging the sigmar willing we'll be back soon like subscribe share or leave a review join us on discord drop a tip on our patreon anything you can do will spread the word of sigmar farther than we can on our own chat with us anytime about your thoughts on twitter at the mortal realms eric where can they find you online uh mostly on our discord the mortal realms.com forward slash discord i didn't do it and uh, a little bit other places, but not really at all. Sure. Uh, well, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, mostly on our Discord, as well as Sever. Uh, and lately, I've been hanging out on Blue Sky uh, at Sever. Cool. And I'm Aaron. You can find me at Dosisos on Twitter and also on the Discord, obviously. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themoralrealms.com. What happens now? What are you asking in this episode or? Dawnbringer's done. When Dawnbringer's done, they've done all the battle tomes. It's uh, going to be the last, this is the last dogs, uh, last um, story phase episode ever. Sure. Is Warhammer done? Are they going to I, I think it's done? probably done. We were getting a, a slew of new Mortarks when we got from, you know, through, um, you know, the ghosties and then the bonies and the, that's what they're called. You got it. Yeah. 